is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, gang? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily Packed Friday Show. Talking lots of Jets as they get ready to uh, welcome the Toronto Maple Leafs in tomorrow night for our third Winnipeg Sports Talk game. Cannot wait for it and looking forward to seeing all the WSTers from the chat and from the uh, podcast crew join us tomorrow for what hopefully will be our first win in the package after losses to the Kings and Oilers. Um, We've got lots to get to coming out of Winnipeg Jet practice this morning. Updates on injured players and more. And we're also going to dive into some really interesting stuff from Winnipeg Jets head coach Rick Bonus, who joined Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman on the 32 Thoughts podcast, which dropped this morning. So we've got some clips that um, we've got some clips that we're going to play. And, you know, for us that have talked and listened to Bones basically every day since he became head coach. Some really interesting comments from Rick about, you know, how the Jets got to be where they are what drives them, uh, as well as some of the things, if you read between the lines on some of these clips that were priorities of him to um, to nip in the bud from uh, the team that he took over a couple years ago. Um, Murata Tesh is going to join us, and we'll get Murat's thoughts on tomorrow against the Leafs, the season so far, as well as some trade deadline targets, which he talked about in the, uh, in the Athletic. And hey... It's championship weekend in the National Football League. I'm rocking the kingdom shirt, and uh, we'll talk to Hacksaw, get his thoughts on not only the AFC and NFC championship games, but Jim Harbaugh going to the Chargers, and no seat, apparently, for Bill Belichick, which is somewhat shocking. Um, So Hacksaw a little later on, and you know it's Friday. That means we will be doing a marble race. Hey, quick PSA, speaking of tomorrow's game. Uh, if anybody that has the, is with us on the Winnipeg Sports Talk package, um, you'll be able to get in early as normal. Same gate, gate two up in the indoors, like just outside of City Place, like on Hargrave. The last two games we've gathered in the uh, the whiskey hangar right outside our section. Tomorrow it's going to be different. Tomorrow, hangar right when you come in. We're going to be in Craft Beer Corner, which is perfect because we'll uh, be able to enjoy some little brown jugs while we are there. So uh, I'd say around 4.30, we'll probably get there. You can get in as early as 4. Um, but um, if, you, if you are with us on the package, join us there early. Get a couple 1919s or generics in us and uh, get ready to get loud. And please wear your jet stuff, because we know there's going to be enough Leaf stuff in the building tomorrow as well. Uh, all right, let's get Remo in here. But just before that, got to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day cool bet canada just finished the lock shop we dove into all our thoughts on the championship games and i did my royal rumble picks which believe it or not you can bet on at cool bet um so that's there of course our friends at princess auto um aiken's lake wilderness lodge boston pizza royal sports sport manitoba and manitoba liquor and lotteries little brown jug um, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, the Winnipeg Jets, Modern Man Barbershop, Canadian Club, and the gang at Manitoba Battery, and uh, oh, lots to get to for a why not question of the day for not Autocorp, but Waverly and McGillivray. Remo, happy Friday. Yes, I'm feeling good. We're heading into a really good weekend. Jets and Leafs, 
Josh Morrissey is okay. He's back on the ice. And yes, NFL Championship Weekend 2. I mean, this is like two Super Bowls, if you ask me. The actual game content, I think, is going to be great. So I thought last Sunday was excellent. This Sunday uh, should be a really nice follow-up and also determine how you're feeling on Monday. So a lot to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, famously... The final ever show <laughs> on 1290 was the day after the Chiefs Bucks Super Bowl. Uh, and you will recall, Rick will attest to this. I came in, I took my medicine. I did not take the day off. And thank God I didn't because I would have missed what ended up being our last show. Um, but I'm hoping to be in great mm -hmm. spirits, not just for Monday, but for the next two weeks heading into the Super Bowl. Uh, but as they say, we will get to that a little bit later on. I, but to be honest, I, I love the way that this weekend is shaping up, dude, because I'm going to be able to not worry and stress about the game at 2 o'clock on Sunday because I'm already stressing about tomorrow night's game at 6 p.m. against the Leafs. When we put this package together, we knew this was going to be maybe the crown jewel of the games for WSTers with our package. And thanks again, everyone that jumped on it mm -hmm. and is going to join us tomorrow. If you told me that the Jets were going to win one of the four games all season long in our package, this is the one that I want and I think most of our crew wants. Yeah, we lost the first two games. The Kings game, which was uh, kind of depressing, and the Oilers game, which had, uh, which was really solid until the Oilers won. And I saw these like kid Oiler fans around us cheering, and I'm like, "Who are these kids' parents? What's what's going on here?" And I'm sure I'm going to have that reaction tomorrow when it's a majority of Leaf fans. And I watched their road trip through Edmonton and Calgary and wherever they go. There's a lot of Leafs fans, as you said, they're the Dallas Cowboys. Of the uh, of the NHL, which I think is certainly accurate, and yeah, this is gonna be a great pat. You know, we've had a number, had two great games so far, and we said this was gonna be a split. So, you know, while it was disappointing, the Jets weren't able to get the two points on Wednesday. We knew it was gonna be a split, and that just means they're gonna win tomorrow, and we will get one win in the WST package. So it's actually exactly. actually we're, great. We're focusing on the important one, and that's tomorrow night. And listen, if you if you didn't get uh, the the tickets with us in 316 uh, next year. Make sure you do. But and you're going to the game. Still pop, pop by and say hi. Um, as they say, I don't think you'll be able to get in early. Uh, but the doors open for the game. I think at five, but it might even be 4:30 tomorrow. I know we our folks can get in there and get tables and get set up as early as four. Um, but the bottom line is, if you're in the upper bowl, you're coming to the game. Heck, even if you're in the lower bowl, just come up. I mean, you can go wherever you want in the arena. Uh, pop by and join us. We'll have a little impromptu WST get-together with everybody for tomorrow. Oh, Schickster, always on top of it. Regular 5 o'clock doors. So there you are. If you have regular tickets, 5 o'clock, you can get in. Pop by and say hi. We'll be hanging there until we move into our seats and uh, see the Jets and Leafs go at it. Um Wow, everyone's here ready to go. Big crowd already in here in the YouTube chat. Shout out to everyone. If you haven't already, hit that thumbs up, please. And make sure you hit that subscribe button. You will need to be subscribed, and you'll need to hang around until the end of the program to have an opportunity to win one of our WST hoodies in our weekly marble race. But um, 
Rima, we'll get to Bones in a few minutes. There's a, some other stuff from the NHL we got to get to from last night and just over the kind of the last 24 hours. Um, but we have an update on Josh Morrissey and Josh's jewels. And uh, it's a good update because Josh Morrissey was on the ice today with the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, he says he's good to go. Narrowly avoided disaster and the ultimate sacrifice. And um, did say he thought about Blake Wheeler a lot after what happened in Toronto on uh, on Wednesday night. I'm glad we can sort of have a laugh about this. Uh, yeah. I'm mostly glad that 44 is going to be on the ice tomorrow for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, you know, I was so concerned... Maybe it was long term. I was shoveling my driveway yesterday, or my you know step you know walkway yesterday, and just thinking about Josh Morrissey, wondering how he was doing because no one wants to get hit there. It's horrible. And Josh Morrissey did confirm to the media today via John and John Lou tweeting this out. Confirms nice shot hit him in an quote uncomfortable area, and he left for precautionary reasons. Morrissey said he thought about his shot that ruptured Blake Wheeler's testicle last season amused that it was the universe or karma that saved, <laughs> that saved him. Um, I forgot that it was his shot. That that's that to Wheeler. <laughs> that's yeah. That's crazy. Um, wow. So Morrissey, he's okay. Thankfully we'll be in the, uh, they said officially game time decision, but it sounds like he's going to be in. I mean, I guess it could still hurt. It probably's got a huge bruise, hey? I mean, I don't know if we really need to go down that road and figure out what the uh, what the uh, the lasting damage of uh, of the shot was. The <laughs> bottom line was there's two things that came out of it. First of all, we saw the five guys, Dylan Sandberg, I mean in particular, but I mean DeMello, I mean Pionk, I thought had a monster game. Um, you know, everyone Nate Schmidt included, I mean Brendan Dillon, all those guys step up and, I mean, really, really, um, hey, you know, at some point, Josh Morrissey might not be able to go or might not be able to eat up 24, 25 minutes a night. Um, so I think that was uh, a great performance by the defense that they can build on. But the Winnipeg Jets are a way better hockey team uh, with Josh Morrissey in the lineup than without. So that's great. And the other thing that came out of it was Remus with the team not on the ice yesterday or speaking it gave us a whole bunch of time to stress and fret and discuss a scenario as to who would come in for Josh Morrissey that is now completely useless because mm. Josh Morrissey's playing on Saturday. So uh, it was a fun conversation, though. It was fun to speculate. You're going to have to get in that situation. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking about when he was injured in the playoffs and how well Neil Pionk stepped up in that game, maybe the best game uh, of his career. Uh, you know, the losing effort there, but uh, they're not going to have to deal with that. And here are the lines they skated with today. Shout out to, I think these are Marat. I took them from his Twitter. He'll be joining us later today. Connor, Shifley, Velarde, Niederreiter, Lowry, Appleton, Perfetti, Nemesnikov, Ehlers, Baron, Kupari, Ayafalo, Morrissey, DeMello, Dylan, Pionk, Sandberg, Schmidt, and the extras, Gustafson, Tony Nato, and Stanley. He didn't write Chisholm, or maybe I didn't copy and paste that, but... um. Uh, you know, it's interesting that the Jets, you know, after a couple games here of shuffling them around, you're kind of getting back to the lines that were more familiar, the lines that they had when they were, you know, winning a lot of games. Now, Mark Shifley, they came out and said he will not play tomorrow. Yeah, before uh, everyone gets too excited seeing that the practice so, lines for Connor Shifley and Villardi, <laughs> we've got bad news for tomorrow. He ain't playing. He, yeah, he's not going to play. So 
But it does. It's you're feeling like they're getting back in this player break again. Coming at we've said this for like two weeks. Coming at the perfect time, very clearly with some guys banged up and your number one center, uh, you know, sitting out was his fifth straight game missing. I'm trying to trying to think. Was the last one the fourth? I don't remember. I believe so. There you go. So uh, it, was, it was nice to see everyone back. Well, what's important? I mean, Velarde's back. And listen, sucks that Shifley won't be there, but adding Gabriel Velarde is significant. I think it should hopefully help the power play. Um, but it also allows Ehlers to play with Perfetti, Connor and Velarde to play together. Um, and we'll sort of see where, you know, how the how the centers work. I mean, I would assume that Nemetsnikov plays well does does he play with Shifley does he play with Connor and Velarde this is the thing with Shifley out and without having that you know that other you know number two C um is that you really don't have that um that chance now Gustafson and Toninato were working in today um so maybe Toninato ends up playing with Perfetti and Ehlers um that's where Perfetti that's where Toninato was playing uh last game uh and Nemestikov playing with Connor and Velarde but uh Listen, they were without all of those guys last game. Morrissey's going to be back. Velarde is going to be in. Um, one other interesting bit, and we'll see if we have audio of this later on today in the program, but um, Bones was asked about Velarde potentially playing center. And he said that they tried Velarde at center earlier, but he didn't look comfortable, so they're going to keep him at right wing where he's played the last two seasons, um, which, again, opportunity for Dominic Toninato to get into the lineup and um, we should have some of that stuff just a little bit later on. Uh, Velarde did speak today, um, said he had a minor lower body issue that flared up last Saturday in Ottawa, set out the last two games for precautionary reasons. He feels ready to play. And as much as it was disappointing not to see Gabe in the lineup and obviously what we've talked about with Mark Shifley, um, the bottom line is that the Winnipeg Jets have won so many games and are in such a nice spot in the standings right now that, you know, if they have to let a guy sit out for an extra game or two, uh, they can do that. Um, would I love to see the the full lineup every game? I would love to have seen Shifley tomorrow. But Remus, I, I get it. Um, it's not like this team is, it's not like the last month of last season where they basically were playing for their playoff lives each and every game. They've earned a little bit of rope right now. And um, you know what, if that's what it takes to keep a guy like Velarde, making sure that he's good to go for tomorrow night and going forward and Mark Shifley to have him fully healthy when the team gets back from the break. Uh, while it's frustrating, I don't think there's any question that that's the right thing to do. Yeah. And you see it in the NBA all the time, uh, load management. I don't think this is like, you know, resting guys, you know, they just don't play guys on a second game back to back just because this isn't that. This is just saying, hey, you know, we can be extra cautious when we have to. And uh, Rick Bonus did say Shafley didn't aggravate his lower body injury in practice, but it's clear he's not ready to return. With the bye week coming on Sunday, they're being they're just being really cautious. And you mentioned the standings. I mean, we kind of have abandoned the standings, watch us, since the Jets are no longer in first. But you mentioned that cushion. Look where they are. I mean, third in the NHL in points. They are tied with Colorado, but oh, Colorado's played two more games. Still uh, first place in the Central. Yeah, yeah, third in the league in points percentage. We can go by division, as you said. 
rolling down to the Western Conference. Their first uh, 65 points in 46. Colorado's got 65 and 48. Dallas, 64 and 48. I mean, they're keeping pace, 7-2-1 and one in their last 10, even if, you know, maybe some of the last few haven't been what you saw earlier. Overall, it's been an excellent pre-All-Star break season, and there's you have this week off. Take advantage if you have guys banged up. And, yeah, as you mentioned, Velarde sat out those two games precautionary, and he's good to go. Although they said officially Morrissey and Velarde are game-time decisions for Saturday, but it uh, sounds like they are in. No, well, noting speaking also... Speaking as if they'll be, uh, yeah, they'll I mean, be those, playing tomorrow. Yeah, I those guys spoke to the media today, Morrissey and Velarde. Shafley did not. Shafley also... Uh, stayed on after for some additional. They always say injured players don't speak, so uh, that's a very, very good sign. Um, and listen, the other story going into tomorrow's game is um, is scoring. I mean, I, I believe the number is nine goals in their last six games. Uh, they've been shut out a couple times. You would hope that with Shifley's return after the break, things get sort of back to normal where the team's has been all year. Um, but for tomorrow night... Some guys are going to need to step up, find a way to beat Ilya Samsonov. They were not able to do that despite how much they put on him. Um, so, yeah, a little bit more finish would go a long way for the Winnipeg Jets. But as we hear from Bones a little later on, again, the uh, the focus of this team is continue to play the way that they did, eliminating and minimizing scoring chances for their opponents. And uh, more often than not, you'll end up on the right side of the ledger. Um, listen, before we get to this Bones stuff, um, a couple things coming out of last night. Um, Brendan Gallagher absolutely smoked the Islanders' Adam Pellick with a high hit yesterday. Um, he's certainly getting suspended. Uh, and I and I guess he's uh, has not... Uh, this is a little surprising considering the way Gallagher plays. I, I guess he's not a repeat offender. But I'm still stunned that he's just getting a phone hearing from uh, NHL player safety as opposed to an in-person hearing um, because I thought that would have been a lot closer to 10 games than five considering um, just how vicious of a headshot that was last night. So funny. Everyone, whenever this happens, goes on social media writing, I think this is at least 10 games. This is this many games. This is where they're going to put the hammer down. And set a new precedent. And I'm sitting there like, how can you even say what you think it's going to be? I have no idea. I know what Mark Shifley got four games uh, for his hit on Jake Evans, which we thought was going to be some new precedent. But to me, I mean, this is a, a play, you know, a guy, what, Pellick, he passes the puck. Gallagher, he's going in to finish your check, fine. But you can pretty clearly, you know, shoulder him in the chest if you want, but the fact that the elbow was up so high, chicken like chicken wing style, not great, not a great look, and this was a pretty obvious one. Um, you know, you think that they're going to do something about these, you know, this is a pretty obvious headshot that seemed very avoidable, and they're not, they're not doing anything, anything you know, that's severe five games. Well, I mean, listen, I, well, exactly. And we'll see who knows if it's even five. I yeah. Mean, it could be four. It could be three. It's just not going to be more than five. And I have yet to hear anyone that saw that play last night and didn't think that it was worthy of more than five game suspension. 
Um, so, anyways, the wheel of the wheel of justice continues yeah. to spin at uh, the well, DOPS. Yeah, one thing you know, one thing I see BA splits comment in the chat is the the league always goes by the results, not by the hit, and we're always saying no, you should go by the process, not the result. And the result here is, you know, he got he walked off the ice, he got helped off. It wasn't, you know, if he goes down and. You know, they have to stretch him off or whatever, and he's totally knocked out. Yeah, then maybe they would give him. And I, you know, as as dumb as we think that is, that is how they seem to operate. Which I think you should be looking at the act, not you know, because sometimes you know, you do the same act and two different things can happen. So uh, yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens with this. I'm I'm curious. I'm done speculating on players unless it involves the Jets, and we have to talk about talk about it here. I'm not gonna not gonna well, speculate, for the, but. For- for everyone that's seen it, why not question of the day for not autocorp well, at Waverly and McGillivray? If, you, if you're George Peros, how many games are you doling out for Brendan Gallagher's hit on Pellick last night? Let us know in the chat. Speaking of the chat, there's our guy, lock shop legend, Rod Z. He went in with intention. I completely agree with you, Rod. Folks, join us uh, you know, at noon on EST before Winnipeg Sports Talk and one thing I can guarantee you is that Rod Z is going to come in with some of the greatest trends uh, for games that night in the National Hockey League. He's been a big help, and uh, we've done a few fun uh, prop parlays as well with Rod and the other fellas in the uh, in the chat. So Gallagher is going to get suspended. Real cheap shot last night, uh, but surprised that it uh, that it wasn't more. Um, Remo, I'll just quickly touch on this because I know a couple days ago there was the news of, um, you know, the pending players surrendering themselves to London. And I sort of went on that and just how distasteful it was that this Utah news was brought out that day and that that's what, you know, the people that cover the National Hockey League were talking about. Um, Emily Kaplan's got a follow-up in it in ESPN. Uh, you know, about Utah. I mean, listen, I, I think this comes down to it. Utah right now is what the Jets were behind the scenes when it came to the Thrashers. I, I know everyone's talking about expansion and what expansion is going to get, and they're still floating out this, hey, the NHL, if it's going to be $2 billion, we'll go to a 33rd team. Um, if you dig into that original release, as poor as the timing was, um, the key bit coming out of it is the fact that, you know, the, uh, the the Smith group has said that Utah is ready to host an NHL team right now. That ain't about expansion, folks. That's about the Arizona Coyotes. The patience from, I think, most parties in the National Hockey League for what's happening in Arizona has worn thin long, long ago. And the NHLPA is a big part of this as well in the fact that, you know, there's a big, big revenue hit right now with the team that's playing at a 4,500-seat building that, frankly, isn't even always sold out. So something's got to give. They haven't made progress. I know there's this new new plan for a potential spot for an arena. I mean, the amount of time that it's going to take to make this happen, if successful, is significant, and I don't think there's any guarantees. So to me, this is simply putting the Coyotes on notice that guess what? We've got a place right now that we can move this team. And I would expect that that is exactly what happens, that the Coyotes will move to Utah 
and we'll have a 32-team league. And at that point, like, they still want the Arizona market, and I get why they do. Um, you know, if it takes two or three or four years to get a building and to get a spot, like, I could see Arizona being an expansion team later on or maybe have some sort of a deal that they go dormant, this team moves over, and they start in as an expansion team. But I'm not buying as much that this is about the NHL's ready to go straight to 33 teams and we're going to have another expansion draft as much as putting the Coyotes on notice and potentially creating the path for Utah to be ready to take on a team on relatively short notice, not quite as short notice as the Atlanta Thrashers moving to Winnipeg, though. Yeah, and we're like, what's this guy doing putting out this release? But it seems like this has all been very coordinated. Uh, Emily Kaplan reporting that Ryan Smith, the owner, he's good friends with Gary Bettman, and he's ready. They have an arena now uh, that they own that, uh, you know, they built with their, or he's ready to build one with their own money. And he, what he bought the other team with his own money, the the Jazz, and they own what, the, the MLS team as well. Utah's this growing. Well-heeled ownership. Yeah, this Utah, yeah. Having their own money, that's a good part of being an owner of a sports sports franchise. Um, what they have, uh, sorry, they have the Olympics coming up there. Utah's this growing market ready for hockey. Um, yeah, so I saw this story from Emily, and she's putting out there. I'm like, wow, I guess they are going to get a team. And you know, the report was okay if they get an expansion. You know, Vegas paid 600 million. Um, sorry, Vegas was 500. Seattle six. You know, and the next one, well, they put some r- crazy ransom, like two billion. Like, yeah, how do you not? How do you say no? How do you say no to that? If someone's like, yeah, we'll give you two billion uh, for a team. So one way or another, it's going. But I agree. We're, we're on Arizona watch. Uh, it seems like progress hasn't really been made on their new arena location. We'll see. I think it's time to pull the plug and and bring. And if they do, us, this is why we're interested because then maybe they they let Salt Lake start fresh and give the Jets back their 1.0 no, records. No, we'll, the we'll see. Coy- the Salt Lake, yeah, gets the Coyote records. Yeah, yeah, like from '97 on and. And the Winnipeg Jet records get returned to Winnipeg. They got to do it. And the Winnipeg Jets. And, like, whatever. If you want to keep – if we want to keep the Thrashers records as a part of it, fine. But everything that happened when the Winnipeg Jets were playing in Winnipeg needs to be part of Winnipeg Jets franchise history. And I know it was a different franchise. But that's that's the way I would like to see it – I would like to see it end up. Um, yeah. So anyway, there you have it. That's this the is local about, tie-in. This is about the Coyotes. This is less about... It's all about money. Um, there's, there's a lot of it waiting in Salt Lake. Um, but it, but if I had to make a bet right now, that's the way I see things happening in a year, in potentially next year. The Coyotes being in Utah, and we'll be playing the Utah Coyotes. Uh, or I don't know if they changed the name or whatever, but... Uh, uh, we'll make uh, we'll make all that happen. All right, let's get to this clip from Dreger. Insider trading. <laughs> I got to get my hose ready for everybody in chat right now. But uh, here's Darren Dreger on insider trading as opposed to uh, what Yarmo Kekalainen is thinking right now as we get closer 
to uh, to the deadline. Listening, it's a safe way, really, of describing when you're engaging in trade discussions, or you're at least willing to listen. And that's where the Columbus Blue Jackets come in. Yarmo Kekalainen, the general manager of the Blue Jackets, is willing to listen on a couple of big name guys like Patrick Laine and Ivan Provorov, and there are others. Now, obviously, Adam Fantilli is untouchable, and there are other young players the Blue Jackets won't want to move. A number of teams, though, are also very interested in veteran Boone Jenner, but he's a heart and soul guy with a terrific contract, so it's highly unlikely that the Blue Jackets consider moving him. But again, Yarmo Kekalainen and the Columbus Blue Jackets are listening. Yeah, there you go. Drag's new term. There's buyers, there's sellers, and there's listeners. And Yarmo Kekalainen is listening. And the second that Patrick Liney's name was brought up, I knew exactly what was going to happen in chat. And let me just check it right now. Here we go. Bring Liney home. Yes, bring Patty home. Um... <laughs> SK wants Boone Jenner. I'd have a, have a, t- a talk on that. Winnipeg is good. Um, listen, I, you all know how pissed off I was that the Jets traded Line A. Historically, how angry I am with the way that that was managed and blame whoever you want, leadership of the team, the coaching staff, management for letting it get to that point. But like living in the present in 2024. And I'll coach this was saying that I still am a huge line a fan. It is horrible to see what's happening with him and how his career has just completely stalled. But in Columbus, but we know the sort of player that he is. Can anybody imagine Patrick line playing and thriving in this system that the Winnipeg jets are playing right now? Like, I'm sorry, that is that is a hard no for me. Never mind the fact that his cap hit um, is so significant that, I mean, even making a deal like that and fitting him in to the Jets' cap structure without sending out a real significant player that's making some money uh, would do to it. I don't know where you are this on Remo, but, I mean, I get the love for Line A. I have it. Um, but I mean, I don't put much, uh, I don't spend much time talking about this as much as, you know, in theory with Patrick coming back to the jets at some point during his career, be awesome. And what I'd love to see it. Yes. But this is a first place team that has built a foundation of real strong five on five play defensive awareness, the work, all things that as much as I love lining, what he brings to the table are not really him. That being said, I certainly would love to see him on our power play. <laughs> oh, man, the Jets power play that's been struggling. Yeah, Line a would look great, but, you know, and Liney's struggled this year, six goals in 18 games, nine points. But you look at the salary, and it's just a no, it's just not going to work. There's no way. Like, yeah, we're still all uh, Patrick Line fans. Uh, I think a lot of people are, you know, brought Big you to time. your feet in Winnipeg. There's still a lot of jerseys, maybe because you can still find them for $20. Around they made so many of them, he was so popular. But, but uh, his salary is eight point seven. It doesn't fit within the Jets, so it's a no go. But every time he gets mentioned, there's so many people saying, "Bring him home, bring him home." How yes. good we look on the power? We need that shot back. It's not gonna work. There's no, there's no way. So it's fun to dream, but I can't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, 
it's just, I mean, it's just simply not possible. And, and again, like, I don't know enough about, I mean, there are still a bunch of guys here that were there when all that stuff went down, in particular, Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor. I think we all agree Shifley's in a very different place now than he certainly was the last couple of years. But, I mean, that was when, like, just this team, it, this team has played so well. The room is so good right now. And I'm not suggesting that would change it up. But, you know, having a guy that had been here before with that personality, although I do think that if he got another chance to go to, whether it's a place like this or some other team, he'll be incredibly motivated to move past a nightmare few years for him, really, since he was traded by the Winnipeg Jets and come back. But living in the real world right now, living in the salary cap world, and living in a world where the Winnipeg Jets are the stingiest defensive team in the league, um, I don't see a fit, and I don't think it's possible. So we won't spend too much time on it, but um, needless to say, I mean... I love the idea in theory of it, and I would kill to have that guy on the Jets' power play right now. Um, but I think we'd be foolish to be spending too much time uh, time on it talking about it. You know what? Uh, we'll, we'll we'll see what Murat has to say about that later on, uh, after I've just pulled out the fire hose on all the excitement in uh, in the chat. Hey, listen, uh, we're going to get to some really neat stuff from Rick Bonus coming up in a couple minutes from uh, from Thirty One Thoughts, but. The weekend is here. If you're making a trip down to your local Manitoba Liquor Marts this weekend, make sure to check out Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club, proud sponsors of the Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk. Check out all the favorites, the uh, what original Canadian Club, the 100% rye and the Canadian Classic 12-year-old, as well as limited, uh, limited availabilities left of the Canadian Club Invitation Series. CC 15 year old Sherry Cask. Uh, and we'll have some details for you on Winnipeg Whiskey Festival coming up. And uh, looking forward to making one of those events a little potential WST gathering with very limited tickets available. But I think they're going to give us the opportunity to fill it first with WST or so. Stay tuned for that. And this weekend, and always uh, enjoy responsibly, especially tomorrow night at the game <laughs> when things are going to be getting going. Um, hey, i got to give a shout-out to our friends at Modern Man Barbershops with eight locations in Winnipeg. Uh, Modern Man, fellas, has uh, you covered uh, at uh, well, any of the eight locations. You need a cut. You need to look good. There's one close to you, including the new locations on Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Um, <clears throat> whether you need a haircut, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more, Modern Man is there for you. You can make an appointment and book your look via modernmanbarber.com and give them a follow as well on Instagram at Modern Man Barber Shops. And uh, hey, uh, shout out to our friends at Manitoba Battery. Donnie and the gang, very excited to be opening up a second location coming up next month in the south end of the city on Dover Court. Uh, of course, they're at 1026 Logan Avenue right now, taking care of the entire city. And one of the ways they do that, they don't, you don't even need to leave your home because with any purchase on any battery, Manitoba Battery will deliver it to you for free inside the city of Winnipeg with any purchase over 60 bucks. And when you're purchasing anything at Manitoba Battery, know that you're getting the best prices in town, beating the pants off the big box stores. So stay tuned for new location information. And in the meantime, for all your battery needs at the best prices in town, shopping local, manitobabattery.com and 
8383. Um, hey, uh, you know, I, I should also mention uh, for tomorrow's game, uh, obviously, if you can get your hands on a ticket, great. Join us if you came a little late. Our gathering spot before the game is going to be Craft Beer Corner outside Section 310 as opposed to the usual whiskey hanger. And uh, she'll be getting plans to get in the seats for the games on the other side of the break, Saturday, February 10th against the Penguins. The uh, Valentine's Day game against the San Jose Sharks. Nothing says romance like whooping one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League. And, uh, of course... November or February 20th. And I don't even need to probably tell most of you what February 20th is, but uh, if you don't know now, you know the return of the Minnesota Wild. Bonus talked about the rivalry with the Wild as well on this uh, on this 32 of thoughts. Again, uh, winnipegjets.com slash tickets for individual tickets and find out more about getting a package for the remainder of the season, getting back in season tickets with some friends or for your company and securing the best seats possible for whiteouts come spring and the Stanley cup playoffs. All right. Great to see everybody in chat. Well over 500. Hey, if you're new, welcome to Winnipeg sports talk, hit that subscribe button, give a thumbs up to the episode. We're here every day, 1 PM central uh, from Monday to Friday and make sure you stick around just after 2.45, we'll do our famous WST Marble Race. All are invited. You do have to be subscribed to be a winner. We've got a great WST hoodie courtesy of Shipman Associates to give away later on in the program. But, uh, Rima, let's get to some of this Rick Bonus today. Because Bones sat down, I guess, before the game on Wednesday uh, with American Friedman on 32 Thoughts. And, you know, there was there's some really interesting interesting stuff coming out of this that to be honest dates back to rick taking over uh the team um but you know with the way the team has played this year the way they've come together the guys that have left the guys that have come in there's a lot of interest outside of this market and just how the jets have done it especially when you consider what last year's off season was like with potentially shifley on the move hellebuck on the move now those guys signed long term and uh, the jets in first place Here's uh, Rick Bonus on 32 Thoughts on uh, on the offseason that was. I talked to all the players last year when I first got the job. But, yeah, there's the, the key guys you have to go to. It started with me with Connor Hellebuck. You got, okay, you're the goalie. What are you seeing in front of you? What what do we need to change to make your life a lot easier? Then you have to go to the stars. And it was Mark Morrissey and Mark Schleifley and Kyle Connor. And you got to go to those guys. But you also have to include everyone else. Everyone has to feel they're part of it. Like their their roles are all different, but their status has to be the same in terms of what their importance to the team, regardless if it's 10 minutes or 20 minutes. So one of the things which we try to do is do that and make sure we're getting everyone's input. Everyone feels they have a voice and, what, and, and that we are listening to them. But obviously it's the key guys you've got to get to buy in. If they don't buy in, the rest of the guys aren't buying in. But this year you're watching, our players are seeing Kyle Connor back check hard, Mark Schleifer back check hard, taking hits to make plays. Uh, so that's, see, but it's, so last year for me, it started with the key guys, but it's also touching base with every one of them to get their opinion, so that they all feel that they're part of the part of the process, part of the part of the solution moving forward. But again, their status, they all have to feel that their role on the team is important. Minutes are different, roles are different. Status has to be the same. Um, you know, a lot of the uh, the foundation of the uh, of this team, with everyone being in, the status being the same, and I mean. 
very clearly that was not the case for a long time, and that has changed big time. And Adam Lowry's captaincy, I think, is a, a perfect example of that. Um, you know, Bones talked to all these players. Here's uh, uh, another clip from Rick on uh, the most impactful things that he heard. I would go back to Connor Hellebuck, that you know, all the great A's that they were given up in front of him. You know, he, he he had a heavy workload, not just in terms of games and minutes, but the shot value, volume, and the quality of the shot. So we started looking at that. But what I had done before, even speaking to them, was watch a couple of their games and and look at their analytics and say and that just jumped right out at you okay we got to cut down on these slot chances against we got to cut down these rush chances against yes this team can score but you're not going to win every you're not going to win the playoffs going five four six five it's not so you've got to tighten it up and uh so but it was it was more a hell of a buck right off the bat that said you know i'm giving we're giving up a lot of chances right in front of me and the rebounds and chances off the rush we'd like to clear that up so what he said and what i saw in the video kind of kind of matched up with each other um talking to Mar- uh, Josh Morrissey the D not weren't involved in the rush enough they weren't getting they weren't involved enough so you again you watch the video okay they they played it look they had great success so I'm not knocking it it was just it's different ways to play the game uh so uh, okay we're going to get you more involved because I remember coaching against Mo and saying wow this kid's an elite skater he's an elite puck air we got to watch him when he's on the ice and I wanted to turn him loose and so and that that means you got to get let all the D go. You can't say, well, Mo's going, you're not. So now you got to get all the D to buy into that. But it started uh, uh, that part of the game started with Josh Morrissey. The first bit of that clip, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things that you know Rick has turned into reality for this club to uh, his great credit. But the fact that his first conversation was with Hellebuck Ream and that he said, well, you want to make my life easier, you're not hanging me out to dry with all those great A chances would be a great start. And it reminded me of Chuck Hellebuck's visit with us a couple weeks ago on this program. Yeah, he mentioned uh, how before he was facing all the, what was it, like odd man rushes. He was facing so many shots among the leaders in terms of shots face. And some, you know, it really shows that when he took the job, he came in with a plan, uh, came in with objectives, and they really accomplished all of them. Uh, you know, he mentioned cleaning up the defense. Uh, I'm, you know, cleaning up, you know, in front of Connor Hellebuck, limiting the high danger chances, uh, getting more offense from the defense, and cleaning up uh, the locker room in terms of leadership as well, giving everyone a voice. And I think all those things have really got buy-in from everyone and, and brought everyone together. It's um, been kind of incredible to watch the transformation here over the last couple of seasons, especially after, you know, what we thought was some blow-up uh, at the end of last season and coming in and having, you know, even more buy-in with naming Lowry the captain and Shifley and Hellebuck re-signing and the Dubois trade as well. I think it's just brought everyone together, and you've seen that here uh, you know, pre-All-Star break. No doubt about it. Uh, let's get to this next one. I mean, Hellebuck's a central figure in all of this, maybe the central figure in the Jets' success. Uh, Bones talked about what changed Helly's mind about staying after everyone said that he was as good as gone at the end of his deal. I think he loved the trade we made with L.A., he, he, okay, we have depth now. Talking to Connor at the end of the year, it was, I want to win the Stanley Cup. 
It wasn't he never we, we had a good conversation it was never i want to get this eight years i want to get this amount of money that never ever came up all he kept repeating i want to win the stanley cup i don't care about the vesna i don't care about the money i want to win a stanley cup so i think when chevy made that trade with la and he saw the good pieces that we were bringing in he said okay this team's committed to winning and i think that changed his mind up as well you know just speaking of hellebuck and you know we <laughs> I mean, for years I've said he's my favorite Jet to listen to when he's in front of a microphone. You know, he's thoughtful, but he's incredibly honest for the most point. Although I think from what we've heard, maybe he was less than honest about what was happening in front of him, backing up his teammates that maybe weren't backing him up on the ice very much in previous seasons. But the way he has manifested everything in his life to this point to be the top goaltender in the National Hockey League. I mean, what did we hear in the summer? What did Rick just mentioned? It's about winning. And we'll remember Connor Hellebuck saying, I will win a Stanley Cup. Well, if he's going to do it, it looks like he's going to do it here. And uh, we got seven more seasons of Hellebuck in Winnipeg. Um, and it's all going very, very well after he and Mark Scheifele signed those deals, which was a big part of it. But Bones mentioned the, the Kings trade and how that impacted him knowing that okay, this isn't a team going in a very different direction and adding in some significant pieces led by Gabriel Velarde. Bones talked about Velarde and what he knew about him coming into the peg. Didn't know him all that well, honestly. Uh, he was hurt a lot for a couple of years, and I think there was a couple of games we played them he didn't play, so I really didn't know a lot about him. Uh, I, I hear good things about him, right? So you got to see it on the ice and in training camp, and okay, uh, he'd been hurt, so... It took a little while to get him going in training camp. Then we said, wow, this guy is unreal around the net. He does some great things on the boards. Then he gets hurt. So we still think there's more from Gabe. we got to try to keep him healthy. The one disappointing part of our season for, for us and our power play is that we've never had the opportunity to run 10 games with Mark Kyle Connor and, and Gabe on the same power play. One of them has been hurt all year. And that's really because we saw it during the preseason. We saw it earlier. Wow, there's some chemistry there in the power play. And then Kyle went down and then Gabe went down. So we, we were anxious to get those three back healthy, get them playing together as line and see what they can do on the power play because clearly our power play needs a lot of work. But in fairness, we've never had those three guys for a long period of time on the power play. So we're anxious to see what that looks like because Gabe, to answer your question again, very good on the power play, very good around the net. He's got great hands for a big man. And he hangs on to pucks and he makes plays and he takes puck to the net. So we really missed his presence. He showed us what he can do when he's healthy. And now the challenge is to keep him healthy and also to keep Mark and Casey healthy and give them a chance to run and get the chemistry because they still haven't played enough together over the years and here we are this far into the season they still haven't played a lot of time together as a threesome all right so uh, there's bones on uh, velarde and they're looking forward to getting velarde connor and shifley all helpful all healthy at the same time and having a good run with all three of those guys hopefully improving the power play which has been sort of a you know one of the, uh, the the issues that still remain with the club despite everything else that they're doing well but so much of this comes back to the theme of building a real team. And I think most of us would agree this is as a, as close-knit a team that works for each other than we've seen maybe at any point since the Jets got here in 2011. Um, Bones was asked about... <laughs> I mean, he was talking about, you know, in the, in the bigger context of the conversation, about what the buy-in that he needed from players to him, but more so to each other. And... 
I believe it was Merrick that asked him what, in his opinion, what is the, the laziest, the laziest thing a player can do. And when you hear this answer, I think it'll take you back to the beginning of the first season that Rick Bonus was the head coach. Here's Bones on uh, what's the laziest thing an NHL player can do. Long shifts, just staying out there, hoping for one more chance to go for a rush because that's when the bad line changes. That's when the bad, uh, you're spending too much time in your D zone. That's when the turnover started. When players start taking extra long shifts to go, I'm gonna, we may have a chance to score here. That leads to so many problems. It also disrupts the line flow and the chemistry of your next lines because somebody might be out there for a mm. minute and the next two guys are sitting there waiting to go and now their line meets out there. He's coming off. Now we're going up with someone new. So for me, I, I always put a lot of focus on those the line shifts and, and making sure that they're not extended. Because even last night in Boston, we had two shifts in our zone that were probably a minute and a half, and it was we, we just didn't get the puck out. So now we're spending time in our zone, but we had two different guys from two different lines out there. Well, it screws up the rotation, and someone's missing ice time while they're uh, they're out there that long. So for me, I always kind of focus on the length of the shifts, and if I see a guy trying to go, oh, I'm little tired but we might get a chance here i'm going that stuff drives me nuts all right well it drove him nuts right off the bat i mean i think we all remember the way rick bonus called out his top players for those extended long shifts early on and that was something that bones addressed immediately <laughs> when he became head coach and certainly has seen more more buy-in but there's an interesting bit later on on this topic where uh, Bones gave us a little bit, I mean, not mentioning who the players were, uh, but he talked about teammates getting frustrated with lazy play or long shifts. Listen to this. We get frustrated. Their teammates get frustrated with mm -hmm. them as well. Mm -hmm. And we did have an incident last year on our on our bench between periods, or not on the bench, but on our team in between periods that somebody went after someone else about the long shift because he's missing minutes and he's missing time with his line mates. So that was addressed with the players because after I had addressed it on the bench, it was also followed up in the locker room, which is good because now your players are taking ownership of how you want to play. Yeah, so... um. A little neat behind the scenes from Bones. Uh, and, and then he kind of followed that up with, you know, as a coach, when to step in between two teammates. We would, uh, would let it settle down and then pull them both aside and talk to them, which I did after the game. Mm -hmm. This is why what happened. First of all, I responded. And then the player that was sitting on the bench waiting to get out there responded. And then uh, you got to let the emotions calm down a little bit. And then I dealt with it right after the game because you don't let those things dwell. And I brought them both, not sit together, but one-on-one -on -one and said, this is what happened. I'll take care of it. And mm -hmm. This is what happened. We'll fix this. So, yeah, yeah. Because I addressed it first on the bench and the player followed up on it. And then so I just had to clean it up. An in-dressing room follow-up from the player. Um, and listen, I'm sure that stuff happens all the time with all teams. It's just the sort of thing we don't really hear about. We never hear talked about. So it was quite an interesting uh, an interesting piece from uh, from Bones today on 32 Thoughts. Um, Reem, let's go to the last one, just because we've talked a lot about the room overall, um, the atmosphere of this team, how they have been playing together. Um, Bones talked about the room getting better in the wake of the Dubois trade uh, that happened last summer. Doobie made it no, very clear that he wasn't going to sign a long term. Yep. So you, you start talking about that a lot. The players know he doesn't, you know, he wants out of here at some point. So, um, 
and when that's dealt with the way Chevy dealt with it and, you're, and we're bringing in good pieces, um, it's again, it goes back to Connor. Like, okay, we're, we're committed to winning here. Everyone that's here wants to be here. Uh, so uh, to me, and then that's just, again, it's all about the buy-in, right? You can't, you can't have one or two guys, oh, I want to get traded, I want to be out of here, and say, okay, we're all in. Uh, so when there's one or two guys in the room that don't want to be there, you've, you've – Again, like Doobie made it. I'm not criticizing Doobie. He didn't want to be there. He didn't want to be there. That's his call. He's, he's an athlete. He's got to take care of his career. So Pierre got what he wanted, uh, and we got what we wanted. We got some good pieces, and we got guys that want to be in Winnipeg. So Pierre Luke, good for him. Got exactly what he wanted. He got a big contract, went to a big market, and that's where he wanted to go. Good for him. Short career. We got what we wanted. We got guys who want to be in Winnipeg and are very proud to be a Winnipeg Jet. And the player, again, it goes back to that locker room. Players feel that. And uh, and, and the camaraderie becomes a lot tighter when they all know we're all in. They all want to be here. Uh, the camaraderie and their chemistry in the room becomes a lot tighter. So um, that one is, and again, it's not earth-shattering to hear that from Rick Bonus. Um, he said it over and over again that everyone here wants to be here, but I think it does sort of peel the curtain back a little bit to, you know, the reason why this team has been as successful as it's been so far this year and how they've been able to, as a team, to a man, buy in to a team goal each and every night that, to be honest, probably hurts some guys' stats uh, it might impact some guys' ice time, but everyone is a part of it. And uh, it, in a lot of ways, for the players, it seems as well, hearing, like, even with Connor Hellebuck, Remus, date back to the way the Jets handled the Dubois si- uh, situation in the offseason. Yeah, it does sound like everyone knew that, like, hey, this guy, you know, it's like when you have a coworker who's, like, ready to leave for his next job. You you feel like he's not committed to the current cause, as much as he said that he was, and and he played hard. It was pretty clear that he was just you know, looking ahead uh, to the next stop and it was something they needed to get cleaned up in the offseason, and they did. And as he said, they have players that want to be there that are committed to the system um, and committed to the team. And I think that's gone a long way, and you can certainly see it in the on-ice results. Yeah, and, and you know, you know, he mentioned, I see T. Conopoli saying, short career, nice poke. Well... Hey, Dubois didn't do anything outside of the rules. Everything was up to him, but it was mostly about him. And uh, right now it really does seem it's about the team. He's talked a lot about ice time, and we have to get this one in. And I think everyone will have loved everything that they heard from Bones. Um, Jeff Merrick is a huge Cole Perfetti guy. And they often talk about, well, why isn't Cole playing more? And uh, this is one that might resonate differently with a different group of fans. But uh, one more clip from Bones on uh, his approach to a younger player like Perfetti as it pertains to ice time in particular. Here is uh, what Rick had to say on that. I talked to Cole a lot. Um, Yeah, so 
we've got a good rapport. And when he doesn't play enough, I'm the first guy to grab him, call him, trying to get you more ice time. But this is what happened. There was penalties, and, uh, you know, you lose your shift there because your line mates are killing him. you got to understand whether his minutes are down. It's got nothing to do with your play. And sometimes that happens, right? He's, he's losing ice time because we'll send out the first power play. Early in the year, he was on the second unit, and that's out there for a minute and a half, and he only gets 30 seconds. So when his minutes aren't where where I need to think they should be, I, I'm the first one to go up and, and explain to him. And he, he's great with it. He, he understands uh, defensively, right, and the battles. And, right, he's got he's to understand how to manage the game a little bit better up here. So these are all growing pains that you go through with. But I make sure because it, it is cold and, and, and those aren't harsh conversations. Those are like you and I are talking right now. Here's what's going on. And he's a very intelligent kid and he cares. Uh, so... But yeah, they're a little they're they're a little more sensitive today than some of the older guys. There's no question. But you've got to be aware of that when you're dealing with them. But that still doesn't. There's times where you got to let the passion, you got to let the emotion mm-hmm. take over, and that's where I'm not very good. All right. So, uh, anyways, I suggest you listen to the whole thing. It's sort of about the last thirty minutes or so of uh, today's Thirty Two Thoughts podcast, and. Um, you know, listen, Elliot and Jeff do such a great job. It's the reason why it's the number one hockey listen around. Um, and also they have great access to uh, to uh, people like Rick Bonus. Um, but it does speak. I mean, this is the second time Bones has been on with those guys. The first one was really good. I, it was obvious that they really enjoyed this one. But it's, it, it's obvious. You know, I think a lot of other NHL coaches and management are going to be listening to that as well because the question right now around the league, Remus, is – Wait a second. How the heck have the Jets done that? They're a team that probably, you know, average people don't get a chance to see very often, average fans, and they're pulling up the standings going, what the heck has happened in Winnipeg? And a lot of those questions were answered by Rick Bonus, who in a lot of ways is the architect of a pretty incredible turnaround under a year and a half on his watch. Yeah, and it's amazing how things may have changed if you know, Shifley and Hellbuck don't resign. You know, it's a nice conversation you had with with Brian Hayes, they get a great return in the Dubois trade. You know, they've changed their style of play, getting more offense from the defense, cleaning up the high danger chances. And again, you look at the expected goals against uh, the Jets are among the top in the league, which means, hey, they're keeping the shots away, you know, from further away from the net. That's all that it means. So, uh, you know, their structure has been on point. The consistency has been there this season. Uh, you know they're playing pretty much the same way, and yeah, they didn't win. Uh, I think scoring may be a concern the last couple of games. You are missing some players, but you know with that goaltender, you're giving yourself a chance to win every single night. And uh, they've been on a great run here, and hopefully, it can continue into the second half or post All Star break, and especially more importantly, Saturday, four night against Toronto yes. because you can't <laughs> have we can't have zero and three on the WST games. It can't be. It can't no, be a no. thing. You know, as I said, if we were going to get one win of those four games, the one we'd all, I'm sure, take is this one tomorrow night. Now, uh, we've got some updates, uh, and we've got a little bit of a Morrissey Velarde, which we'll get to, and Marat's going to join us probably in about five minutes. Quick bomber note for you, folks. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers have signed Johnny Augustine to a one-year deal, and, and Johnny's really been in the shadow of Brady Oliveira for the last couple of years. I think we're hoping that continues. No disrespect to Johnny, um, but the Bombers do have a Canadian running back signed for next year. 
and we await to see what happens with Brady Oliveira as we get closer to next month's CFL free agency. Um, and of course, our Bomber reports all year long. Brought to you by our friends at Princess Auto. Bombers will be playing at Princess Auto Stadium. Looking forward to getting out there next year. The Princess Auto tailgate and more. Of course, Princess Auto, <clears throat> proudly Winnipeg, headquartered right here, where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them. Panet Road, Portage Avenue West. Or shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Um, do got to give a shout-out to our friends at Wallace & Wallace, the fencing and overhead door specialists in town. Certainly they can take care of all of your fencing needs as they've been doing since 1946. They're also the folks to go to for new overhead garage doors. But if you're not in the market for a new garage door, but you have one already, it might be having some issues right now getting through the winter. Winter puts the most stress on it. Now is the time to prevent downtime this winter. Give Wallace & Wallace a call to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know, and that is Wallace & Wallace. And uh, hey, guys, as we get into the new year, if you look in your closet, you're going, eh, I think I might need to step up my uh, myself in the menswear department. You can head on down to F Apparel and take all of that care of all of that at the best prices in town. Custom suits made to fit, looking great, starting at just four hundred bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and the biggest and best selection of menswear accessories in town. And hey, if you're getting married this year or in a wedding party, talk to the fellas and talk to the guys at F Apparel about getting your suits at F. You'll get a fifteen percent discount for the entire wedding party when you get your suits at F Apparel. Uh, pop by and see them, 190 Smith Street downtown. You can find out more online and make an appointment as well at F, that's E-P-H-Apparel.com. All right, uh, we've got some Morrissey clips and Velarde. We'll get to those before Hacksaw, but it looks like Murata Tesh is good to go and joins us now on the road and on WST. Murat, happy Friday. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me from the car. Thanks for having me with my feedback and all of it. Uh, it's all that good. Hey, listen, um, there's a bunch of uh, a, a bunch of kind of angles I want to talk about the Jets as they get into this game tomorrow. Um, but I guess we should talk about, I mean, listen, I, I'm sure you probably don't have many issues with the way that the team played very shorthanded against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, but nine goals in six games, is this something that just happens over the course of the season? Um, is this the missing of Mark Shifley in particular and showing just how important he is and how dependent the Jets are on Shifley right now offensively? Like, What do you make of the lack of goals over the last little while after you know a team that, well, look at the standings, we know that they've been scoring, but they've been better at defending, which was really the focus against the Leafs on uh, Wednesday. Yeah, I almost want to make you a pie chart. Like, that's how I want to speak my thoughts on this. And, like, the biggest pieces have got to be Mark Shifley's absence. I think that that's, you know, sometimes underrated. Over the years, we go back and forth. Okay, how's his two-way game looking lately? But you know what he's always done? 
is drive offense. You know, five on five, he's one of the elite passers from the wall into the middle of the ice on the power play when it's humming. He's a big part of it. Certainly it struggled this year as well. Gabriel Velarde's injury, um, that pulling him out of the game, that hurts a little bit. Uh, Kyle Connor coming back and not having taken things over quite yet, that hurts a little bit. Shifley, I would say, is a big one for sure. I also think small pie chart pieces would be available in terms of fatigue at the end of a really grueling month. I know that they got some games, sorry, days off. I know that it seems like those, uh, the that nine game in 16 day stretch or 15, whatever was should be in the distant rear view but i think guys picked up bumps and bruises and things like that and i do think that the break comes at, at an important time and then the last thing that i i want to touch on would be the coaching impacts and for me the power play is a coaching impact and the fact that they've struggled there even when guys have been healthy that hurts the offense that's one i also think that uh you know some of the decisions like you know you have a four on three power play and over time and you play Lowry and Appleton instead of Perfetti and Velarde or whomever else. I guess Velarde wasn't playing, pardon me. But um, instead of perhaps more skilled, more offensive players in those situations, I think that those changes all you know deserve a small slice of pie as well. You know, it's funny you bring that up. And Ruin was talking about, we just played a clip uh, from 32 Thoughts when Bones was on about you know, Cole Perfetti's usage and, you know, talking to him about getting him out there and some of the situations that he hasn't been out there. What's your theory? And we can stretch this to, to overtime as well because it's a little different. We haven't seen a lot of Perfetti in overtime, and I've got a theory why I think the coaches are making that decision, but why guys like Appleton... And, and listen, Lowry's been out quite a bit in OT this year, and it's actually been quite successful when he has been, but... You know, what do you think is behind those decisions um, as well as what you just mentioned with the four on three in OT? Well, I think an NHL coach has uh, a number of moving pieces to juggle at any given time. And I think that in the decisions that they make, you get to know a sense of what their number one priorities are. And I think for Rick Bonus, his number one priority is getting his big dogs, and that's the Mark Shikley line when it's healthy in whatever format that it exists in. That's the number one line. That's, a, you know, nobody's going to argue with that. That's a given. But uh, the number two major rock is getting Adam Lowry's line out there as often as possible, certainly in a matchup capacity. That's been important to the Jets, continues to be important to the Jets. I also think that all that offense that they generated for that month or so earlier on in the season kind of earned this sort of belief from bonus that, you know, you can put them out against anybody and they dominate. Um, so I think that those are your number one and number two Winnipeg Jets lines. And I think that Cole Perfetti has often been on that secondary scoring line, you might call it, um, whether it's been with Nikolai Ehlers at times, Nemestikov at times, Iofalo at times. It's the line that comes out third most importantly. And uh, that's if everything is pure five on five. If there's penalties to be killed, well, those other guys get minutes. And then when it's their turn at five on five and they need a rest, Cole Perfetti doesn't go on at the same time as then as them. Late in games, Cole Perfetti doesn't go on in certain situations when bonus prefers that, you know, the bigger players, whether it's Appleton or whether it's Morgan Barron, like he said on 32 Thoughts, um, there's a player type that he prefers as well. And for me, it's just very clear that of all the various things that Rick Bonus juggles, he sees uh, that secondary scoring line is at least third most important, if not a little bit further down the list. Is he right? I mean, for me, when you look 
there, there's two schools of thought here. And for me, I see people point to the charts, point to the wins above replacement, point to the stats and say, well, Cole Perfetti is one of the best defensive players in the NHL. And I think they've gone a little bit far with that. That's my opinion. When you shelter a guy that much, there is an impact in, in the numbers that you get from it beyond what the estimates and the regression of the models convey. I don't think Cole Perfetti is an elite defensive player in the NHL compared to to I mean, compared to other elite NHL defensive players. However, if you're still getting that impact from the guy, there is room for more minutes. There's plenty of room for more minutes. I think he's in a situation with the coach's trust right now where if he makes nine out of 10 exits at his blue line perfectly because he's got such a high hockey IQ, because he reads the play really well, he makes decisions quickly, and he's not afraid to eat a little bit of a check to make that play. Um, And then the 10th one gets stuffed. I think he's still in that category in the coaches' minds where, okay, well, now we got to talk about that. That's a defensive miscue. Whereas if Kyle Connor makes that mistake, if Mason Appleton makes that mistake, it's like, oh, that's okay. We know what his, well, we know who that guy is already. And that's the part that I don't think is quite right. I think that there is time and room for more second line or secondary scoring line minutes. And Cole Perfetti is probably bearing the worst impacts of that. You know, when it comes to overtime, and again, we're talking about three-on-three. This is not going to matter in the playoffs at all. But, you know, through the regular season, it's something that pops up. And, you know, what Remus Pop brought it up, uh, you know, after the game against uh, against Toronto, is that is it weird that we don't see Cole Perfetti? I think it goes back to what the Winnipeg Jets and what the coaching staff is trying to accomplish. Now, obviously, you want to accomplish a goal. To have the puck, you have to have the, have the goal. I, I think their concerns with just his speed – when it is so wide open and you're going up against the biggest, most talented, fastest players on the other teams. But I, I'm also interested in your perspective on it because, Murat, I kind of feel like when they go out and why you see Lowry out there and even an Appleton out there at times, it's less about the guys that make the most of the scoring opportunities, but more about the guys that'll be able to potentially win a battle, to not lose the puck, to gain possession and maybe just eat up clock until you are able to get Kyle Connor or Nikolai Ehlers or Mark Scheifele out there. Where are you at on all of that? You know, I've talked to people who think that that's the case, who think that that's exactly why it happens. And so I, I don't think you're far off on that. The idea that it's almost as though Lowry and Appleton come over at uh, in three-on-three overtime situations to kill clock until the guys that bonus trust to finish things off can get back out there. I struggle with that. I I need to see some really compelling evidence that you can win a game 0-0. Like, I understand that puck possession is necessary. I absolutely do. But even in OT, it does change hands. You can win a draw and lose lose the puck. What happens after that draw is also important. And I I see, you know, the Cole Perfettis, the Gabriel Velardes of the world as smart enough with the puck that what's going to happen in that ensuing three-on-three play is, you know, is probably worth at, at least as much as that draw. If not, have that face-off get one and then have them get out there anyways. I don't think you can win 0-0. I do see, like, if somebody can put the math in front of me and make the compelling argument that, that Lowry and Appleton are so good at making sure that no one gets, no one scores that Shifley, Connor, whomever can then finish it. Like, I... I don't think the math supports that the same way that I don't think the math supports waiting until there's 30 seconds left to, to pull your goalie anymore. At, at some point you have to understand that 
it's more important to create than to not be created against. And I, I think that that's a, that's a math problem that emotions get in the way of sometimes. Now, we'll have plenty of time to talk about this on the player break next week um, as we look ahead to the deadline. But, um, folks, if you haven't read it already, get over to The Athletic. Uh, Marat's got a, a piece on the upcoming deadline, and it's Winnipeg Jet trade targets, six ambitious non-rentals who might be available. My question for you, Marat, is based on the Winnipeg Jets, where they're at right now as a team, the farm system the prospects that are coming that potentially will be NHL ready in the next little, little bit. Um, has the, the Jets always seem to be teams that wanted to get players with term. Does it make more sense this year to go for rentals that you're not on the hook for their salary next year, even if they're strong players? Has that changed in your opinion uh, as opposed to previous years and previous deadlines? I think that would be kind of like a 1B priority or a, or a number two priority for me if I'm thinking on the Jets' behalf. I think number one is the is the fit and the impact and their belief that this player is going to come in and be able to play that, you know, what Rick Bonus calls Winnipeg Jet hockey. And if that's a one-year player, like, you know, if Lindholm somehow drops to the Jets or becomes available, I think you can believe in that in that player to, to fit right in on the second line, win face-offs, play defensively responsible, and create offense, great. Uh, if Sean Monaghan, if the Pro Scouts believe, and I believe the Jets have liked this player, then um, then great. But if it's not them, then, then players with term, um, then it depends on their contracts, on their situation, on their level of fit. And I think that's primary. I can see routes for the Jets to get out of cap headaches in the in in the future. Certainly, Cole Perfetti is going to get a raise from his ELC, uh, but you know we don't know if I mean Nate Schmidt as a buyout candidate seems possible, or a trade candidate as other defensemen like Ville Hainala are uh, off their ELCs, or, or Declan Chisholm finds a role. There are cap safety valves, I might want to call them, available to the Jets that. I'm not sure if immediately hamper them. If it's if we're talking one or two years, I think the Jets are okay. You go longer term than that, and then I'm not as sure when it, as I'm not as sure as I speak to you now. Yeah, the only reason, like I'm, I'm far more on the side of I think rentals make more sense this year than they maybe have in the past for the Winnipeg Jets. Just by looking at, I, I mean, right now every one of their forwards is signed for next year. <laughs> um, there's the potential that Rucker McGordy is going to be in the mix. I mean, you've got the potential that maybe a Brad Lambert could be a player at times right now. I, I, I just wonder if things have changed enough and that before it was always about getting an asset that you could maintain for a longer term. I'm not sure that right now they kind of know the way they're going to look next year and the decisions they're making right now are solely for March and April and hopefully May and June. Yeah, I mean, how would I say this? This is this is working. This is effective argument, I think, because I see what you're saying about the Jets forward group um, and the idea. I guess the idea would be that compared to last year, the key cogs are known and they're in place. Like Shifley is signed. Dubois is gone. Wheeler is gone. Um, you can go down the list. They got the extensions for Nemesnikov, for Niederreiter, who they acquired. I, I guess I see what you're saying, Hus. Like, I, I really do see that argument. I think that my ultimate belief is get good players, keep good players. I wouldn't 
you know, if Steve Steos out in Ottawa wants to make a splash or is willing to reshape his team, or for example, this is a bit speculative, it certainly is, but if he wants to, if he realizes that he cannot promise a Stanley Cup contention window to Claude Giroux out there in, uh, in Ottawa, that the previous ownership group and previous management group did make, you know, an absolute priority, and a player like that is available with term left, I'm, I'm not... I, I wouldn't be advising the Jets to hold off on that sort of player. I think they can sort through which third-line player has to be on the fourth line and which fourth-line player has to be a waivers risk or what have you if you've got a player that good. But I do agree with your point that a rental would be okay. If he fits, a rental would be just fine. You know, Giroux is a, an interesting player because he's got you know a ton of – experience he still scores at a really high level um i mean he's 36 right now you'd be taking on a six and a half million dollar contract next year which i guess to my point does does mean probably a guy or two that's on this roster right now either has to go back or is subsequently moved as well um he primarily plays on the wing though i mean when you're just looking at a fit for who the winnipeg jets are bringing in does it have to be a center? And if it's not a center, how do they handle what we're dealing with right now, which is no Mark Shifley, and it really does show the one weakness, I think, of the Jets' forward group overall is a lack of depth behind 55. Well, I mean, he does take a lot of face-offs. So, like, he, he does have a face-off excellence to him, and I think that that is important. Like, I, I, I'd use him as an example of somebody with term and quality and, you know, fits the bill for me as unlikely so worth discussing because the jets go unlikely sometimes and have pulled off some really impressive trades um but if you're looking for an ideal fit i honestly think the biggest gift that the jets could give themselves is a second line center who wins face-offs well enough and who can convey to rick bonus and the coaching staff that they win battles in the defensive zone consistently enough that those wingers, who I imagine are going to be Perfetti and Ehlers when everything shakes out, get on the ice with consistency at five on five. The more that Winnipeg has a top nine instead of the Shifley line, the Lowry line, and then whatever happens afterwards, the more effective the team's going to be. And for me, looking at the way the Jets run things and on the bench and uh, the lines that they use, I think faceoffs do have to be a major component of that. Because you look, Cole Perfetti played more often with Pierre Luc Dubois last year than he plays now. Even with uh, even with Shifley and Velarde out of the lineup, and I think that part of that is just the belief that Dubois was going to be the big guy who won faceoffs and won the right battle, and you know wasn't a liability. I don't think the Jets get faceoffs from their second line right now. You know what? Let's move on to uh, to tomorrow night. Um, in the rematch against the uh, the Leafs, Shifley's not going to be back, but Velarde is. Um, I know that Shifley was skating with Connor and Velarde today at practice, even though he won't be playing tomorrow. Um, and Nemetsnikov was there with Ehlers and Perfetti. Um, how do you see things shaking out tomorrow line-wise? And uh, is Toninato just moving back in between Ehlers and Perfetti, um, leaving the Lowry line together, who was there together, and I, I would assume will be playing playing uh, as a group and have Vlad in between Connor and um uh, Connor and uh, the and Velarde? I mean, good question. I I don't I don't really like I know the answer. Like I've considered that that it could even be 
Lowry up there between Connor and Velarde. Bonus doesn't seem like he wants to play Velarde at center, but like you say, Lowry's line practiced as a whole today. If if Lowry did move up, it seems likely Dominic Toninato would step behind. But of course, Vladislav Nemesnikov between Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers has had some success of late. Like if you're looking for lines that have actually created the Connor Ehlers combination has gotten uh gotten its fair share of scoring chances. The the flat out truth is I don't know. I, I really don't know. I was getting optimistic that Shifley would play based on how the how practice started, but it certainly seems that that's not that's not what's going to happen. Yeah, and you know I'm sort of here for that argument. I mean, you, you know, if you've got Perfetti and Ehlers and you've got Connor and Velarde, do you not throw your two best centers into those positions? And I think undoubtedly it's Nemetsnikov and Adam Lowry what that does to that third line. Although I could make an argument that, you know, Toninato with what he's done just in a two-way game, not doing, you know, although he did get some points right off the bat when he started in, maybe beyond what we expected, um, but could probably fit in with Niederreiter and Appleton in that sort of checking role. But there's just something about Adam Lowry. And, and when it comes to going up against top competition and Rick Bonus is going to have the last change this time, like, I'd be surprised if we didn't see a ton of 17 with his usual line mates when Rick has the opportunity to throw them out head-to-head against the big dogs in uh, in blue and white. Yeah, I guess I can't start the show by saying that Lowry's line is one of the like one of the two biggest matchup priorities for, for bonus and then ignore the possibility that they're going to be used to handle Matthews and company, uh, you know, tomorrow. I, I, I see that making sense, and... I, I know the coaching staff trusts Dominic Toninato. Like, there's a belief there that he won't cheat the game, that he will win the battles, but he is not Adam Lowry, and that's a fact. And that's why, you know, when the roster was made at the start of the season, uh, Lowry had his job and Toninato had his job. And I think that Toninato has played phenomenally, especially early on after his call up. But asking him to do that amount of tough minutes, uh, tough matchup sledding might be a bit much. And I guess now that I think about it, it's you've had a couple of days off. You've got an entire all-star break coming up, the bye week and everything that accompanies that. You can probably lean on Lowry, Niederreiter, and Appleton without too much caution about them getting their rest before the stretch run. Yeah, no, no, I I don't think that's the worry at all. It's just they, you know, what makes sense, you know, on a second scoring line, I mean, to get the most, I mean, this team needs to score a goal or two. <laughs> and, uh, you know, putting Ehlers and Perfetti with somebody, I mean, I guess they just don't have a lot of options right now. Um, you know what the fourth line is. I think Bonus wants to win one nothing or 2-1 here. Like, I, I genuinely think the oh, team yeah. is in a holding pattern. Like until its guys get back, it's like kind of kind of like what you said about OT. It's like get guys out who won't be scored on, hope to score when you can, but otherwise, really, it's just about treading water until until the big guns come back. And that might not be the best way to run things out, but it's it's a way that bonus has gone to before, and I think is going to again right now. So there might be a bit of a tread water and a hope, and it might be that it's about winning one nothing and generating offense is surprisingly down on the depth chart. Uh, Murata Tesh of The Athletic with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, a lot of talk out of Columbus right now, another miserable season for them. Um, a few people are mentioning Boone Jenner in chat. And I just pulled Boone Jenner up, 30 years old, 
two more years after this at a very manageable 3.75 number. Um, I'm not sure as to how realistic that he might be. I mean, he's the captain of that team. Um, but um, what would you think about a fit of Boone Jenner coming in, Marat, in that situation to be a guy that could play, I would say, middle six role, but I think we know, well, if you want to call Adam Lowry the second line, then maybe it's the third line. But does Boone Jenner as a possibility for the Jet intrigue you? Absolutely, it does. Absolutely. If if he is available in any capacity, I actually, I like that contract-wise, age-wise, role-wise, the sorts of things that he does. I mean, he's the captain for a reason. He's one of the few things Columbus has been able to count on in the last little while. He is certainly outmatched as their number one center, as he sometimes plays. But in that middle six role, doing a lot of the dirty work, throwing the body, winning the face-offs, being a player that coaches really, really believe in, I mean, that is the sort of player type that I imagine would earn that second scoring line more minutes um, and be able to play with a lot of different players and against a lot of different players. I like that. I struggle to, to, to believe that the Columbus Blue Jackets would trade their captain, being that they need somebody to play on that hockey team. They've got exciting top prospects coming down the road. You know, maybe Patrick Laine is expendable to them right now, but is uh, Adam Fantilli? I'm, I almost blanked on the name. Like, is, is are their top prospects uh, expendable? No, they want them to be mentored by somebody like Boone Jenner more than likely. And I know that whole organization has been a mess this season. A lot of things have gone wrong. The Babcock thing didn't work out. Liney has been injured. When he wasn't injured, Vincent tried him as a as a center, and that didn't quite work. And then there's the benching on the anniversary of his father's death. And that didn't work. Like, there is a lot going wrong there. So maybe Boone Jenner could be available. But I have to think that's one of the few things you can count on if you're the Blue Jackets and you're assessing what you've got going on um, in Columbus right now. Okay, well, listen, last one as it pertains to the Blue Jackets. And you know where I'm going with this one. I mean, the minute Patrick Laine gets mentioned in trade talks there's a whole bunch of winnipeg jet fans many of them here that says bring line a home i'll say and i kind of poured water on this before i mean the cap number just does not work with where the winnipeg jets are right now as much as i think a lot of people would love to see it i say this as the huge line a fan that's i mean it's been horrible to see what's happened to his career over the last little bit but despite what like patrick line would immediately improve the jet power play in a big way but my question for you is could Patrick Line succeed in Rick Bonus's system the way this team is playing right now? Knowing that this isn't going to happen, but just if you put Line in on this team right now, could that work? Not now. No, absolutely not. It would take time. And I believe in Patrick Line's desire to be a quality NHL hockey Me player. Me too. I like I don't think that what's gone wrong is because he doesn't want to be as good of a hockey player as he can be. I don't think he's tuned out. I don't think that's the case. But he is not a player who plays quote unquote Winnipeg Jet hockey. And if you look at what Winnipeg has gone out and gotten at the trade deadline last year in Niederreiter and Amesnikov, guys who are going to play the 200 foot way, they're going to play goal line to goal line. They're going to back check so hard that that first that defense can stand up and then they'll continue that back check all the way to that 
far post. They'll play great wing, weak side winger defense. They'll play good strong side winger defense. They win battles. They do all of the things that this team excels at this season. That was a reason. That were, there were reasons and skill sets that the Jets were uh, after players like that. Patrick Line doesn't check those boxes. I think he could learn to, but he's not the playoff rental type that is going to come in and, and pick that up quickly enough because I think that there's so much growth and learning in his game yet. Plus, he's been hurt for half the season. What level, even for Patrick Line's current level of play, would he have available to him? I think the only thing that he can do that Winnipeg needs right now is score when a power play isn't moving at all. And that's been a problem. And that, sure, he could fix. But I, I, I don't have time for him being the answer to Winnipeg's playoff drive. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we'll hope that maybe at some point down the road in the future, rights can be wronged and he can be back here. But I'm with you right now. And to be honest, it's a complete non-starter because of the cap situation and the fact that he's making almost $9 million. Um, but it is fun to talk about. Marat, are you going anywhere warm for the player break? Are you going to be heading down south? Yeah, I might I might find myself some sunshine. I, I, I got plans to, to head to L.A. for a week and, and spend time with Haley down there. So, uh, so, so we'll see. You know, we'll see what I can do. I'll, I... I I have no idea what we'll see. I'm going there. That's a fact. I'll enjoy the sunshine. What about you, bud? Make that make that Nobu reservation and say hi to PL. Um, yeah, I'm actually going away in uh, for a little bit in February, uh, but uh, we'll be uh, we'll be here. There's going to be lots of fun things to talk about next week, kind of as we have a little bit of a break from the day to day grind and uh, look at the big picture in the NHL and um, certainly focus more in on potential trade targets for the Winnipeg Jets as we get closer to the 8th of March. Uh, have a great weekend. Hopefully we'll see you down at the rink tomorrow. Sounds good, Huss. Yeah, you too. Good stuff. There's Murata Tesh. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to The Athletic. You can read his latest piece on six trade targets for the Winnipeg Jets with term. Another interesting name in there is Travis Konechny, and I know that is a guy that has been quite popular in the, uh, is quite popular in the chat over the last uh, last number of months. Um, great to see everyone here. Stick around. We've got marbles coming up. We've also got Josh Morrissey and Gabriel Velarde clips uh, post-practice earlier today, but make sure you're subscribed to the channel and hit that thumbs up as well. Um, all right, great stuff with Murat as always. Lots of love for Murat in the chat as usual. Um, hey, listen, uh, tomorrow, early before the game, 4.30 or so, we're going to get together, not in the usual whiskey hanger bar, but in the craft beer corner outside section 310 if you're one of the WST package members. And if you're coming to the game late, uh, well, not late, but at the normal time, 5 p.m. or afterwards, and you're in the upper bowl, pop by, we'll be hanging out, say hi. And I'm pumped we're going to be in craft beer corner because it'll be that much more convenient to grab a little brown jug, 1919 or generic lager, which, of course, is available now as Little Brown Jug is an official partner of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Great to see more generic around. Uh, I met uh, our old pal from 1290, Joel Marcoux, last night uh, down at the bar at P.F. Chang's and was delighted to see that the generic was on the menu there. So when you're getting out of town, take a look. I mean, uh, they might have Winnipeg's favorite local beer. In the meantime, you can pick it up at Little Brown Jug on William Avenue or at your local beer store or liquor marts. And don't forget, Generic Lager, $19.99 for the 18 packs of Tall Boys right now. Find out more information. You can order with local delivery options as well from Little Brown Jug at littlebrownjug.ca. Uh, make sure, if you're coming to the game tomorrow, 
you're wearing your best jet gear. Throw a jersey on, throw a lid on. And hey, if you need one, maybe Saturday afternoon or tonight after the show, you head on down to Royal Sports, the number one sports superstore in town for over 40 years. Thousands of pieces of Winnipeg Jets merchandise, all the jerseys. And don't forget tomorrow, they'll be flying the 48s. Um, Connor Hellebuck looking great at practice today with his special uniform for tomorrow. New pads, mask, and whatnot. Um, but when it comes to getting your uh, Jets merch on, Royal Sports is the place. You can check out NFL, bomber gear, and so much more, not to mention the biggest hockey department in town. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Give them a follow on Instagram as well for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And, uh, hey, it's a great weekend to head out to Boston Pizza. If you're not lucky enough to have a ticket tomorrow, gather with your friends at BP at 6 p.m. for the game on the big screen with big sound and, of course, big football games, which we're going to get into with Hacksaw in a minute. 2 o'clock AFC Championship, 5.30 NFC Championship on Sunday. Football, hockey, schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas. What could be better? Do it at your local Boston Pizza this weekend. And, hey, if you are staying at home, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. And just before we bring in Hacksaw, shout out to our friends out at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. I know it's snowy right now. Spring will be here, and the next thing you know, it'll be summer. We'll be out on the lake. If you are considering, whether it be for personal or an amazing business outing with top clients or management, Aikens Lake is the Aikens experience will be all that you need. And as great as the fishing is out on the lake, the hospitality of the Turen family and the Aikens team is that much better. Find out more information and booking availability at AikensLake.com or hit them up on Instagram or Twitter at Aikens Lake. All right, we will have something from Josh Morrissey and Gabriel Velarde before we do marbles. But let's get right into it and welcome Lee Hacksaw Hamilton in on the, on the uh, two days away from championship weekend hacksaw great to have you on the program and um by the way did you enjoy the winnipeg sports talk raid yesterday of your show uh we finished up and realized that you were on live and uh probably about 150 of us popped in and i enjoyed you talking about the big news with the chargers that jim harbaugh's the new head coach yeah thank you for bringing everybody from old canada to my podcast, and we were amazed at how many people. All of a sudden, my my co-host, who's watching a computer screen in the upper left-hand corner, we have like a counter, and all of a sudden, a sucker went from 51 on live stream to 133 on live stream with a snap of the fingers. So, I guess we can now formally announce that you'll be done with your podcast on Mondays and Thursdays, right at one o'clock Pacific, straight up, so that your people can then spill over, cross the border, and come to my podcast. It starts at 1 o'clock on Mondays and 1 o'clock on Thursdays, the Winnipeg version of doubleheaders. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes we go a little longer, but it'll give you time to really get warmed up and uh, then everyone can pop in. I mean, let's get to that. I mean, that, we'll get to the games in a minute, but the coaching carousel has been fascinating this offseason. Um, Jim Harbaugh... Going back to, uh, to well, not he wasn't, I guess, in San Diego. Now this is L.A., uh, but taking over the Chargers. This is a big departure, I would imagine, from the way that this team and ownership has, you know, kind of held the decision-making power so close. You know he was going to get that. Uh, but touch on Harbaugh and the fact that it seems like 
the chair. Everyone's finding a chair, but Bill Belichick doesn't have one. Yeah, let's start first of all with Harbaugh's arrival with the Chargers. Uh, you know, there's a favorite phrase down here in Southern California for those of us that were left behind when the Chargers left San Diego to go to L.A. Awful lot of TV viewers hate watching Charger football, uh, waiting for them to, quote, screw it up. And the favorite phrase here is chargering. Just stay around long enough. They'll find a way to mess this thing up. And I really thought once Atlanta dove into this conversation all of a sudden at the last minute with a second interview for Harbaugh, I said, yeah, the Chargers, they're going to chargering this and they're going to lose Harbaugh. But they got it done. Uh, they paid a steep price to get it done. At the end of the day, right coach, right situation, right quarterback. This was the best coaching situation in the league, although the general consensus is these owners aren't real good, the Spanos family. However, Harbaugh won a lot of concessions. First of all, he's going to get a mega payday. I was told five years probably 60 million. That's 12 million per. Chargers have never paid anything near that uh, to any coach I've ever had in the history of the franchise. So he got his price tag. I was told he got full player personnel control of the operation. He's going to make a lot of the roster decisions. In fact, he may be involved in the decision as to who they're going to hire as general manager, probably as early as next Monday. Uh, and then you add into that, he was given the concession, I'm your head coach, that's going to be my coaching staff. All of a sudden, all these coaches, including the once highly regarded coordinator, Kellen Moore, are probably all out on the street corner and are not going to be retained. So it's going to be a different era. Now, all the excitement, let's be very honest here, let's be a little bit realistic. He does inherit a great quarterback in Justin Herbert. He inherits a monster salary cap problem, Hustler. They're 40 to 60 million over the cap. The roster that is now in place today won't be the roster they have when training camp opens. They're going to have to cut loose some veteran people. So if you cut loose the wide receiver, Mike Williams, who's making mega money, if you decide because you can't keep Joey Bosa on the field healthy, you have to cut his 30 million cap figure. It's just not going to be the same team. And they're losing their running back, Austin Eckler, who's walking out the door as an unrestricted free agent that they can't franchise tag. So there's a lot of excitement, new coach, the quarterback, but boy, there's a lot of work to be done between then and there. So they got the, they got the guy. And then the minute that domino fell, then a whole bunch of the other dominoes started to fall in all these other different places. There's only two jobs open, one in Seattle that I think is about to be filled by Dan Quinn, the other in Washington that might be filled Monday uh, if it's Ben Johnson and the Detroit Lions. And then get to your other hot topic, Bill Belichick, why why he's not in Atlanta where everybody objected he would go. Uh, my NFL people tell me that he wanted total control and that Arthur Blank was not ready to remove Rich McKay as the team president who has input, was not ready to delete some of the decision-making power of the current general manager, Terry Fontenot. And their feeling was, well, if Belichick came and he was here for two to three years and then retired, then would have to reboot and restructure the whole organization again and Blank did not want to do that, so that's why he wound up taking Raheem Morris, who's got really good credentials and whom he was very familiar with. So I think just Belichick's insistence it has to be Belichick's way worked against him, and now there's no jobs probably for him to go to this year. Uh, what about Vrabel? Uh, the fact that he got thrown into the water so late was kind of a surprise, um, but he's kind of old school. And I'm not sure that he embraces analytics the way some modern-day coaches do. 
and maybe that worked against him. But I'll tell you what, a month ago, if we were having generic lager and Boston pizza, sitting and talking, a month ago, you and I both would have said, Vrabel will have a job, Belichick have a job, neither has a job. And it just, it just may be his methodology is a little bit old school. And maybe owners, general managers said, no, the, the way we're playing NFL football now is very different than we played before. Is there any chance that in one of those markets, I guess it's unlikely, Dallas has sort of said Mike McCarthy is back. Um, we've talked about, you know, the offseason unrest in Philadelphia with Nick Sirianni. Is there any chance that a team that currently has retained their head coach rethinks this over the next couple of weeks and goes to a Belichick or a Vrabel and makes a decision based on the fact that they kind of assumed that those guys were going elsewhere. Now they're still there and available. No, nah, I don't think so. When you're committed to guys, which means you're committing to staffs, which means you're giving contract extensions. Uh, you know, there's too much money on the line. Then to go in at the last minute and blow everybody out. I just don't think that's going to happen. Uh, you know, and Belichick may wake up one morning and decide, okay, I've done it all. And he has done it all. Maybe, maybe he goes in a different direction. Although I can't fathom the idea that Bill Belichick would be on my TV or your TV doing commentary or doing studio analytical work when you consider how he conducts himself in the media. Uh, here's a wild card. Put an asterisk next to Vrabel's name, though. You know, he's got a lot of ties in the Big Ten. Would Vrabel be the candidate if Ohio State hits the eject button on Ryan Day? Because Day's had a good run, but Day has not been able to beat Michigan, and Day has not been on the, on the national stage with the Buckeyes. And Vrabel's got a lot of contacts there. That might be something to look forward to maybe a year down the road. But then Vrabel's still, I think, a hot commodity to be back in the NFL maybe a year from now. But, you know, he had time left on his contract, so he's going to get paid. And Belichick, you know, I, there might be a parting gift there with the last year that was left on his contract. So I, th I think they'd probably both sit this year. Uh, what's going on in Vegas uh, with Mark Davis? And, of course, your old buddy Tom Telesco right back in the division as the GM of the Black and Silver. Uh, he was introduced at a press conference, and, uh, I I mean, this this was like a bolt of lightning. Where the hell did that come from in a thunderstorm? And I was really surprised because I thought he was going to take a year off or maybe he was going to do something else academically. He's a very, very bright guy. I liked him. I thought in the big picture he did a pretty good job with the Chargers as general manager. But he's very conservative. He's cut from the same cloth. He worked under Bill Polian, and that meant you do it through the draft. You don't. You're not bold in trades. You don't do it by spending mega money on free agents. The league has changed a little bit. He did not change with it. He drafted well. He left behind a pretty good team with a good quarterback and a bunch of athletes. They just have to get out beneath the black cloud of injuries. But him going to the silver and black, I can't believe it. We, he and I have exchanged emails and texts. How the hell did that happen? But he will bring, and this is, this is I'll say this with apologies to anybody that's a Raider fan north of the border. He will bring consistency, intelligence, credibility, stability, and the ability to work with people. He brings all those things to the Raider Nation and they haven't had any of that in decades upon decades under Mark Davis and prior to that with Al Davis. So this will be interesting. And it, it, he will be the counterbalance to the emotional power play, a passion play that is Antonio Pierce, the coach. He will reel coach, that coach in a little bit. And the other thing is it's not gotten very much attention at all. The Raiders have hired legendary coach Tom Coughlin 
to come in as a consultant, and he will counterbalance Antonio Pierce and help him as it relates to restructuring this coaching staff. So there's two very mentally solid conservative guys now with Antonio Pierce in the middle, and they will guide him. Fascinating to see how they rebuild it. But like anything else, you walk in there, it's like Three Mile Island. There's nobody left, nobody around. There is no quarterback with the, with the Raiders, so they got to do that. They got to resolve the cap crisis situation, got to resolve the Josh Jacobs contract situation because he's now a free agent again. And you got to continue to rebuild their offensive line and rebuild their defense. So there's a lot of things, a lot of work that has to be done. So it is interesting that the Chargers general manager went to the hated Raiders. Jeez, talk, talk, you know, and he sent me, a, he sent me, he says, my new mailing address, Tom Delesco, vice president, general manager, Las Vegas Raiders, Black Hole, Nevada. <laughs> I mean, it was a, it was a stunning bit of news. Um, well, we'll continue to talk off season for a number of weeks heading into the draft, but uh, championship Sunday is here. And Lee, a lot of people got burned doubting Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs last week, and they got it done again. Um, the Chiefs underdogs again on the road against the Baltimore Ravens, who arguably were the best team in the National Football League throughout the year. They had that big win against the Ravens or the uh, Niners on Christmas night. Give us your take on this matchup between Lamar Jackson, Mahomes two top 10 defenses in the league and um, the fact that the Ravens have this one at home and uh, have the Chiefs playing on the road. I guess the, the, the key word in this conversation is matchups. You look at the matchups. This is going to be a spectacular game. You know, last week's Kansas City Buffalo game had 50 million viewers, which was a, a phenomenal number. They are projecting this Sunday, 12 noon West Coast time game He's going to draw 55 million viewers on TV. And you got you got the matchups of Andy Reid and John Harbaugh. You know, Reid is 24 and 16 in the postseason. It is so hard to win the playoffs, and he's 24 and 16. And you got Harbaugh, who's 12 and 9 in postseason. He's had two losing seasons in 16 years in Baltimore. So you got the matchup of the two bright light coaches. Trust me, don't I don't want you to spill your generic lager when you're watching the game. When you see Kansas City line up in a wildcat with Pacheco and Mahomes out as a wide receiver. I mean, don't be crazed if you see Travis Kelsey line up in some weird shotgun formation to take a direct snap. Andy is going to empty the playbook with creative stuff that John Harbaugh has never seen. Conversely, don't be stunned if you see Baltimore load the box and send blitzers to try to knock Mahomes out of rhythm because Harbaugh's defense right now has got 65 sacks and 31 takeaways. And here's the stat that blows me away. The whole world in the NFL, everybody throws the football, everybody moves the football, hustler. Baltimore has allowed 24 touchdowns in 18 games. 24 touchdowns. I wasn't good new math, and I know you cut class. But, pal, that's less than two touchdowns per Sunday. That's a phenomenal defensive statistic in modern-day football. You know, and then you got the quarterback matchups. You got Lamar, who's being Lamar's doing everything, and you got Mahomes. And I said two weeks ago in one of our notebook conversations, who does he trust? Well, in these playoff games, he has trusted Kelsey and the fast developing Rishi Rice. And they're not throwing the football to anybody else. 
So th those are the guys that are trustworthy. It'll be a challenge of Baltimore. Who are you going to double? How are you going to handle it? And then I think you're going to see Mahomes run the football too, just to slow down their pass rush and make them defend him. So this this matchup is just going to be spectacular. It certainly will. Hey, uh, Marbles registration open, folks! Exclamation mark Marbles in the chat. And hey, shout out to Sam Crow. Appreciate the super chat, Sam Crow. TGIF boys, go Jets, go! Appreciate that, pal. Um, get your Marvels registrations in right now and make sure you're subscribed so you're eligible to win the WST hoodie. Uh, let's go to the NFC, Lee. The upstart Lions on the verge. Oh, they've been making history. I mean, just because their history has been so ugly. But two wins down, one more to go. Um, they're a significant underdog, as you would expect, against the Niners, who were, in a lot of people's minds, the class of the league, certainly the class of the NFC. Um, what do you make of this one? In particular, Brock Purdy, after a bit of a shaky debut in the playoffs for this season in that game against the uh, the Packers last week, although to his credit, when they needed him, six for seven on that game-winning drive. Well, I think the storyline here is Mr. Irrelevant versus the franchise, the Zoan 16, whose fans wore paper bags to the stadium. How, I mean, how fascinating is that? <laughs> the last player in the draft uh, turning into a great quarterback. Purdy's playing really well. You know, they've won eight of their last nine. He's got 20 touchdowns and only six interceptions at the most important time of the season. So Purdy has really rallied this thing back. I don't know whether Debo Samuel catches a lot of passes, whether they run the ball with a shoulder injury or whether they use him strictly as a decoy. But they do have McCaffrey, and they obviously have got uh, Brandon Ayuk, and Kittle is catching everything. They're throwing down deep down the seam to him. So they got an awful lot of firepower. Jared Goff. I mean, this is not a sexy name, but in their last six games, they went five and one when they had to win them. Goff's got 12 touchdowns, and only two picks. So, I mean, they've done a tremendous job offensively putting people around these players. And then, of course, the defenses. I mean, Purdy and that, that Niner offense, they're just going to wear Detroit out. But Detroit plays so hard and plays at such fast tempo. I can't see Detroit getting overwhelmed by everything San Francisco's got because Detroit hasn't been overwhelmed much of the season and they played a lot of good teams. You do have Shanahan who's obviously got a, a phenomenal postseason record at seven and three and he's 71 and 54 as a head coach in the NFL. And he's, he's got a lot of creative juice, but this thing is going to resemble a rock fight. This thing will be like a street fight. This will be like in the back alley because that's the way Detroit plays and we know that San Francisco will just maul you with Fred Warner and all those guys on defense. So this will be a very different game than obviously the that Kansas City Baltimore game. Lee, do you have a Super Bowl pick for us? Oh, I think I'll flip back to what I've been saying all along, because I've said for a long period of time during the course of the season, I think we're talking San Francisco Baltimore. I know you don't want to hear that, but you asked the question. I gave you the answer. Don't like the answer. Too bad for you. San I love Francisco, it. Well, Baltimore, it'll just give picks. me a chance to pop in after Winnipeg Sports Talks is done into your YouTube channel on Monday to uh, hopefully do a bit of a touchdown dance. But listen, I mean, it's going to be a great game. This is going to be very, very tough, and Mahomes is going to have to be his best, his absolute but best. But he is right now. He really is. Well, it and, is, and their offense has looked as good as it has in the entire season, and their defense is legit. I can't wait for this game. It should be uh, it should be phenomenal. Hacksaw, great having you on the program, and uh, 
Look for us to pop in and give you a visit after you get going on the YouTube channel on Monday. That was a lot of fun. Love the program. And again, folks, get to LeeHacksawHamilton.com for the website. The Instagram is amazing, um, the amount of content you guys are cranking out on that. And uh, listen, it's a fun time to talk NFL and so much more. Have a great weekend, and uh, thanks so much for doing this, bud. Great sports weekend to you guys in Canada, and we'll see you Monday for the second game of the doubleheader after you complete the first game of your doubleheader on your podcast. Have yourself a great weekend, Hustler. Good stuff. There it is, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, um, as you guys finish up getting in for marbles, we got a couple things to get to. And um, you know what? We'll get to these clips in just a minute. But while we're talking NFL, let's get over to the cool bet lines. And uh, hey, the Chiefs now four-point underdogs. This line has moved from three and a half to four which is interesting. Jake from Coolbet came on with us on the lock shop today and said that, you know, they're very split right now with money on either side, at least at three and a half. We'll see whether this changes much with the Chiefs moving to four-point dogs. But the number I care about is that plus 165 in the money line for the Chiefs to win this game and move on to the Super Bowl again. And that one's gone up quite significantly from plus 145 earlier this week to plus 165. So certainly... I'm not sure whether they're begging us to take the Chiefs, which does make me a little nervous with those fishy lines. But uh, Ravens have been full marks for everything they've done this year. They are the favorite. Four points for the Ravens. As we get to the Detroit-San Francisco game, this game actually got to 7.5 yesterday. Uh, And listen, you can still get the Lions at 7.5, plus 7.5 if you want it, at minus 114. Niners to cover seven and a half is plus 103. I think if you're betting the Lions, maybe you take the extra point and a little bit of extra juice. Um, but if you go to seven points, the Niners minus 112 and uh, Lions minus 104 on the straight seven. As far as the money line goes, Lions plus 290 to pull the upset and the Niners minus 357. Today on the lock shop, we went through a bunch of our favorite props for the game you can check that out we did do a uh, the lock shop bowl they've got a special partner parlay chiefs to win and lions to win if you think that that will be the matchup they've juiced that one up to plus 1050 our partner parlay <clears throat> included some of our favorite props uh we've got mahomes at two touchdown passes or more Mark Andrews is back in, and I love the over three and a half reception prop. That's even money for the over. I really do think that right off the bat, watch the first drive that the the Ravens get the ball. Wouldn't it all be surprised to see Andrews get a couple balls right out of the gate to get him back into the game early? So because of that, like the over three and a half, and listen, he's such a dangerous weapon for Lamar. He's been out for a long time. Um, He will have a piece of this game for sure. So we've got Andrews over four receptions. Mahomes over two passing touchdowns. Jameer Gibbs from the Lions, 24 or more receiving yards. Love that prop. And uh, Dusty's a big Niner guy. We'll see what Brock Purdy has. But uh, under 279.5 passing yards for Brock Purdy. That one together is just about 15 to 1 plus 14.50. And I do have a Chiefs prop for you just for the game. It's the Ride with Huss 
Mahomes, 244 or more passing yards, two touchdown, two passing touchdowns or more. The Chiefs plus three and a half, and the over on the total at 44 and a half. That's all at the Cool Bet exclusives. Use the uh, promo code WST if you haven't played there before. And uh, we'll give you a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. And as an added bonus, they do have Royal Rumble odds. For you wrestling fans, here are the odds right now. CM Punk, minus 110. We've had some line movement here. Gunter at 2-1. to one. Now, I was really choked. I was going to jump on Gunter earlier this week. He was at 6-1. to one. He dropped all the way to plus 175. That's gone up just in the last hour since we did the lock shop. So Gunter is 2-1. to one, But Cody Rhodes, who was at plus 300, has now dropped back to plus 225. CM Punk is the favorite. God, I hope he doesn't win. He's at minus 110. But my favorite pick is from the Women's Royal Rumble. Bailey is the favorite at minus 115. Becky Lynch plus 250. Sasha Banks plus 400. I'm going with Jade Cargill, who has yet to appear in the WWE. Big AEW star, signed a few months ago, has been working at the Performance Center. I have no doubt that when she is introduced to the WWE, there'll be a rocket strapped to her back. I'm calling her to debut and win the Women's Rumble, plus 600 for Jade Cargill. Not too often we get to look at Royal Rumble odds or wrestling odds on the program, so you know I take advantage of that. It's all there at CoolBet right now. Royal Rumble goes tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. So while we're in the rink cheering on the Jets, we'll be PVRing the Royal Rumble. Um, all right, um, last call for marbles. Exclamation mark marbles, if you haven't already, get in there. Um, Remo, I, did you like my Royal Rumble breakdown and picks? Yeah, I went over some of that uh, yesterday, so I'm here for any wrestling odds discussion, and you can only do that a couple times a year. Royal Rumble, certainly one of them. I've never been in one of those parties where you watch Royal Rumble, everyone like draws a number, yes, and then the you numbers. get that guy. I've never done that. We'll be at the, at the Jets game, so we'll be following, but we'll be interesting. I think Gunter, I think he's got it, just that line movement is a bit fishy to me. Yeah, no doubt. And shout out to Spency Five Cents, a lock shopper. I put my first ever WWE bet on a Gunter and Becky Lynch parlay. What a time to be alive! You can parlay? <laughs> they let you parlay these? I guess with some of them. Uh, anyways, check it out there, folks. Wow. Um, uh, <laughs> all right, all right. So listen, we're gonna get to marbles in just a minute. Uh, but while Remus gets that ready to go. Um, let's hear from Josh Morrissey uh, and a quick hit from Gabriel Velarde as well. They spoke after practice today, which is a very good sign with them heading into uh, tomorrow's game. Uh, Morrissey, we all remember how painful that looked. Here's what Josh had to say about uh, getting hit by that puck in the uh, a very painful area on Wednesday. I just obviously uh, blocked a shot and uh, took it in a comfortable area, so... Thankfully, feeling feeling good today, and uh, yeah, all is good. So ready to roll. Would you say staying out for the remainder of the game was that more precautionary there, or was there real concern at the time that it could have been something a little more serious? Yeah, I think just you know precautionary, and you know obviously uh, uh, medical staff does a great job for us. So um, 
you know, just at the time and, and everything else, just uh, follow and listen to what uh, um, the professionals are saying. And uh, just, you know, at the time, like I said, uh, precautionary, uh, made sure everything's good and um, good to roll on. All right, so uh, it was precautionary. Josh is good to go, and that is great, although it did give us 20 minutes to talk about who should go into the lineup. No one's going into the lineup. Josh is in the lineup. That's a good thing. Uh, any long-term concerns with the injury, Josh? Um, I mean, I think, obviously, uh, when you get injured, any type of injury, they look at sort of everything. So, um, you know, it did cross my mind for sure that uh, I happened to be the one that shot it last year when I hit wheels, and I don't know if that's universe karma or what, but, uh, you know, obviously it's an uncomfortable uh, place to get hit for uh for a guy, so um, just uh, at the end of the day, like I said, medical teams there, they do a great job, and um, you know, thankfully uh, got all clear and feeling great and ready to roll. There it is. In the words of Michael Remus, Blake Wheeler made the ultimate sacrifice last year for the Jets, and uh, certainly Josh and uh, a lot of Jet fans were thinking about that same thing. Thank God he's okay, and thank God he'll be in the lineup tomorrow. Uh, obviously, he saw what the five remaining defensemen did in his absence. Here's a quick bit on Morrissey on how the team stepped up without him. Yeah, obviously those guys did a great job, you know. Um, lose a defenseman, uh, go down to 5D anytime, uh, increase minutes for everybody. Um, you know, being in that situation uh, many times over the years, you know, honestly, sometimes you feel better. Um, you know, you, you have increased minutes. You know, it's it's a little more workload, but you're into the game. Uh, I think most players uh, in the league would say they, they feel better when they play more. So um, they did awesome. Obviously, uh, we've got a great team, lots of depth uh, throughout our roster up front uh, in net and, and on the back end. And um, guys did a great job. But like I said, I mean, wouldn't want to play 5D all year, but sometimes, uh, you know, those little extra minutes kind of just get you in the flow of the game even more. So they did awesome. Yeah, the guys uh, certainly did step up in his absence. Uh, great news on Gabriel Velarde. Uh, here's Velarde on the fact that he's speaking means that he is in tomorrow, although still categorizes day-to-day by the team. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Still going to go through the rest of the day here and uh, get some treatment and then see in the morning and kind of go from there. When did this little issue come up? Because, like, when you skipped practice last Friday, we thought that it was because you weren't feeling well, but then, like, no, it just it came up during the Ottawa game. Just, uh, I mean, everyone's got different things that, uh, you know, that they have to manage throughout the year and uh, just kind of tweak something and uh, got to take care of those, those types of things. You don't want uh, a week-long thing to, to be a, a month-long thing or the rest of the season kind of thing. So it's just time to be a little bit more smarter about stuff like that, I think. All right, there's uh, Gabriel Velarde. And listen, being precautionary with Velarde, I think, is uh, extra important. He has had a you know, pretty significant injury history before. And uh, as we all know, and we saw Bombers need Gabriel Velarde out there. Um, Here's one from Bones uh, to wrap it up. A little bit of an update on those injuries and uh, Shifley leaving mid-practice. He just felt what was bothering him is still a little, a little bit there. So it needs a little more time. Did he make it worse in practice? No, but it's still there. So uh, we got the break coming up and, Prudence will tell you, let's give him that extra time. If he needs it, he needs it. Safe to say then he will not play tomorrow? He will not play tomorrow. Okay. When practice would have started, would you have thought, would you have told us that there's a chance he would? Or? Uh, practice, would have, I would have said, I hope we get through practice and he can play. <laughs> I, 
I guess if there's a silver lining, Rick, is it? I mean, it's pretty clear once you activate Mark, like a roster decision would have to be made. This maybe allows you to to put that down the road a little longer. And we we have to put it off. Yes. Yeah. Um, we did speak with Gabe Velarde and Josh Morrissey. They both seemed to suggest that they would be good to go tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, with these injuries like that, you get you give it. You don't write it in in, in, in stone. It's, it's a day-to-day thing. Well, it, there'll be game time decisions, and uh, in all likelihood they can play, but you never know. You never know how they're going to show up tomorrow. So you keep an open mind on that. But I would say I would label them both game time decisions. All right, so uh, we'll call it game time decisions, but uh, certainly expecting Josh Morrissey and Gabe Velarde, who spoke today after practice, to be in tomorrow we'll have to wait till after the player and all-star break to see mark shifley back in the middle uh presumably with gabe velarde and kyle connor all right gang we've waited long enough it's been a great week shout out to everyone that's been with us especially all the new folks glad you've hung around this is how we finish a week on winnipeg sports talk with our marble race make sure you have put in exclamation mark marbles and make sure that you have subscribed to the channel so you're eligible to win our exclusive WST hoodie for our winner. Uh, but before we get into the marbles, we need to play the marbles song courtesy of the one and only Tristan Rivers Music. It's Nice. The original, the original version of the Marbles theme song from Tristan Rivers. Good stuff. Um, Remo, what, uh, what, what are we cooking up today? Where are we going? Okay, we got 257 entrants. Uh, I got to be honest, Hess, like we're not even done January. Still got a couple of days left. And this January has been one of our best months like since the summer. You know, the Jets had the streak going they in first place. So a lot of interest for sure. And shout out to... We're 500, still hanging out here on a Friday afternoon. Absolutely Love incredible. It. Well, it's the main event right now. The main event. It's true. Marvel's Friday. This is when we really have some fun here. Um, all right, why don't you pull this up sure. and we'll get, go- we'll get going. By the way, I see Spency in chat. Spency, did I see earlier that you're thinking about making an appearance tonight at CWE, the CWE event out in T-Kona? He's been t Poly. You're going too? He's been talking about it in chat for a while, Spence. He's looking for a team to go with. I think there may be a certain host of this program who may be making the trip out to Transcona this evening. Wow. For a little CWE action. Well, if any of you follow the CWE, I did have to go in and do a special interview with the Mecca, Shane Madison, and... um, 
chiseled, chiseled Chad Daniels. And um, they're going to be, I'm not sure whether their match is tonight or at one of the future events, but I have been to CWE events before, have done a bunch of commentary with uh, Dave Patrician on those. And it is, it is so much fun. So uh, I think that is, I think that's the plan tonight. I'm going to see if I can round up a few of the fellas from, uh, from the neighborhood and uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll head out there. So uh, that should be fun. I know they're doing an all ages show coming up in the next week or so. Danny texted me yesterday, but um, let's just see. CWE, their event is uh, their fifth, February 23rd is their 15th anniversary celebration with ECW and WCW legend, the franchise, Saint Shane Douglas. But tonight, 18-plus event in Tikona at Rookies. So uh, we'll look forward to uh, we'll look forward to maybe seeing some of you guys out there uh, out there tonight. Uh, by the way, hey uh, Peg City Hawks fan, welcome to uh, WST. Thank you very much for becoming a supporter. I just got a message from my pal Sean Bozeman, who's always in there, and uh, we should mention that our friend the Dream, Jamie Stevenson, now a subscriber as well, and the Dream's getting into the marble race as well. So uh, let's do this, Remo. I think we should give a marble to Bones for his birthday yesterday. Mm. And I think we should also probably give a marble to Josh Morrissey's cup. Yes. Because Josh is playing tomorrow. So uh, shout out to the equipment manufacturers protecting our number one defenseman. Yeah. Um, I have nothing more to add. I mean, incredible that he's playing tomorrow. We thought he's going to be out for a while again. Could have been really catastrophic and he's okay really really good exactly so yeah bones and morrissey's cup getting a uh getting a marble today i see everybody in chat yes the central i I believe rookies is the central johnny bender the mecca is a beauty yeah he is (laughs) it's a lot of fun doing that bit in the studio in uh, in saint b um (laughs) Go ahead. Right. I, go ahead. I was just gonna say, let's throw, let's throw up the marbles. Sure, let me do it. Going. I'm just reacting to the chat here. Someone, you know, someone said dented cup, and I don't want to get too much more into Josh Morrissey's cup. But like, maybe they should put that put that on display in like the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame or something. <laughs> like, was it? Like, how how shattered is that thing? A lot of a lot of questions. I mean, a lot of guys a lot out of there questions. just feeling the pain and like wishing that it wasn't them. Well, the big question is whether Josh was going to be in, and he will be in, apparently, for tomorrow. And we'll all be in, too. I'm looking forward to seeing you WSTers up in 316. Don't forget, get in early, as early as 4 o'clock, Hargrave entrance. So that's like the second floor entrance inside when you come out of City Place, like past Shark Club. And uh, the last two games, we gathered in the Whiskey Hangar, which is right outside 316. This week, you're going to be hanging a right to the other corner bar, craft beer corner we'll have a few little brown jugs and get ready for the leafs and all the leaf fans and uh, hey if you're coming in on a regular ticket you're elsewhere regular door opens at five uh but feel free to come by and hang out with the wst crew we'll look forward to seeing all of you there tomorrow yeah i got a good track here hassan i'm looking forward to tomorrow night looking forward to seeing all the leafs fans there i can't wait to hear the go leafs go chance competing Someone commented, 
Chris Nielsen said it's been a week for helmets. First, uh, Mahomes' helmet in that game, and then JMO's cup uh, t- taking a big crack. <laughs> uh, by the way, Schickster, I think I said gate two. It's gate six. But again, the, the location is the important one, not as much the number. Hargrave entrance just when you come out of City Place on the second floor, the stairs that go right up into the uh, <laughs> into the up, upper bowl. Hang a right. We'll see you at Craft Beer Corner. All right, what do we got here? The Dangerous Lava Chamber. Yeah, this is the Dangerous Lava Chamber. It's pretty good. Watch out for the uh, teleport. You go into teleport finish. So there's going to be some quick camera work at the end. I tested it. I like this one. And I believe they're all they're all in there. Oh, yeah, I see Josh Morrissey's cup is in there, so I know I put okay. the I put the right one in. Um, yeah, that's about Excellent. it. Pushing two sixty, the winner gets a WST hoodie, courtesy for our friends at Shipham and Associates, great promotional products company in town. Good luck to all. May the best marble win. It's Friday afternoon. Let's drop the marbles on WST. I'm always excited when we see these new tracks. A lot of testing going on during the show. That's right. A big, big funnel to start things off. This is interesting. I had to, do these, uh, <clears throat> these light bars do anything or not really? I don't think so. I think they're just to look cool. The SMA, Scott Westman, Garrett Soloway seem to have a very slight lead. Uh, the SMA, the SMA, if you will. In first right now, two different angles. Micah Rezanoff, Ken 007, and see you later right there in the mix right now as well. All right, we're going into one of these big spinning globes. Seems like we're sort of stuck here for a minute. Nope, now everybody's in. Everyone's coming in right now. Oh, I see. The first group has gone by. Everyone else is waiting right now to get through. Oh, there's all caps, Kyle. And the rest of the gang coming through. This is interesting. Oh, okay. I see. You have to get there. Now you drop down. You get into the rest of the uh, of this uh, the cylinder, the globe, if you will. Oh, and look at Yin Vivian. Yin making a big move, big move ahead of everybody else. T Will and Timmy Tushu hot on Whoa. Yin's tracks. But Yin right now is really, really pushing the pace. Um, let's see here. Yin Vivian, Timmy Tushu, Fire the Coach. That must be a Leafs fan that just came in here. Uh, Yin's in first. T. Will and Timmy Tushu right behind, right behind Yin. But Yin right now with a nice, nice run now into a funnel. And, oh, man, Yin is on the game today. Just an absolutely perfect run right now for Yin Vivian ahead of T. Will, Larry Eloy, Gintelligence, Ray Ray, Tushu. Oh, look at Amanda making a push. Randall Anderson just got thrown over the top rope. Here comes Yin Vivian. I see Amanda, T. Will, Larry Eloy making things happen. Yin is now shooting into, uh-oh, what just happened? Nope, Yin is still there. A, f- a funnel here to end it. This is a funnel into, uh, so they have to go through the funnel and then this ball. And then once you come out, you go into the top cup there. So still a bit of time. 
we're looking. This is anyone's. Okay, Larry Eloy is into this uh, this globe. Yeah. Chucker. Oh, here comes Larry Eloy. Watch. Trisha Snyder's there. There's. Here we go. And Larry's the winner. Larry Eloy. Big win for Larry. Tough one for Yin Vivian. Yin was there for a good period of time. Who's coming in? Who's who's now finishing it up here? We've got the top 10. So Larry Eloy, the winner. I believe Klassen is in second. Thomas Hunt the third comes ironically in third place. <laughs> uh, Julian Lavoisier. Julian strong, strong one for Julian in fourth. Ken B, fifth. T. Will had a great run there, but um, finished up just short at the end. T. Will in sixth. Trisha Schneider, seventh. Timmy Tushu, eighth. Jennifer Hunt, nine. And uh, the SMA, the SMA, had a great, great start. Got in there right there, uh, right there at the end. So there's our top ten. Larry Eloy, the winner, though. Congratulations, Larry. Well done. I'm not, I don't think Larry's ever won before. Larry, fire us a message, uh, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. Figure out a time to come by and pick up a hoodie. Let me know what size you are as well. We're pretty good on all sizes, and we might be running low on, uh, might be running low on XLs. But uh, there's Amanda. Hey, man, you're, you're right there, Amanda. 16th. Nice one. All caps Kyle in at 21st. Who else do we have there? There's Ross. Ross at 36. That's going to probably win their head-to-head bet. There's the Gitch, 50th. What's up, Gitch? See you tomorrow at the game, buddy. It's going to be good times. Cosmic Tales MB, my neighbor. Spencey's in there. 69th, Spencey. <laughs> did you did you plan that? Uh, who's there? There's Hugh Wachenko. What's up, Hugh? Dancing Gabe Velarde, one of the great new names in chat as of late. Colorado Lowe's making into the top 100. Miller Time Moose 3. Rob Mahoney in at 99th. What else do we have here? Mean Gene Okerlund. I see there's Mary Jane. Hi, Mary Jane. Les Thompson. Les, we'll see you at the game tomorrow. Elias McCracken. And then here's everybody that did not make it into the bin. It got thrown over the top rope at some point, most likely at the end of it. Uh, Fun. Oh, Gregory got thrown over the top rope. Greg might get thrown over the top rope tonight at CWE. You never know what you never know what could happen. And the accountant to the stars, Mike Lay. Shout out, Mike. Hopefully, we'll see you at the game tomorrow night as well. Um, again, gang. Section three ten, craft beer corner. That's where we're getting together before the game tomorrow night. Uh, WSTers, you can get in as early as four. Remo and I'll roll in there about four thirty. I'd imagine. Grab a couple generics or 1919s and get ready to drop the puck just after 6 p.m. tomorrow at Canada Life Center. Uh, yeah, Remo, what a week it was. Um, you know, this week, last week, this entire month of January, as you mentioned, one of our biggest yet. Uh, and we have to thank the Jets and their winning ways for all that, I'd imagine. Yeah, thank the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs as well. You know, a lot of attention on the Jets at that time. And I do... Hold on. Hold on. I... Hold on, someone wants to know when I'm going to be done here. But um, yeah, it's been a great, been a great week too. So a lot of fun. Oh, there he is back. 
There's Ev. What's going on, Ev? How are you? Come on and say hi. Yeah. He, he's... he wants to know I'm done. He wants to play Hot Wheels. <laughs> the good news, Evan, is he's done right now. I'm done now, <laughs> the, Evan, So we're almost that's, done. Uh, that's it. Uh, shout out to Ev. Shout out to Reem. Our guest today, Hacksaw and Murata Tash. Big thanks to um, the uh, Remus for getting those great clips. Check out the entire Bones interview at 31 Thoughts. And uh, get some rest tonight, gang, if you need any. Most importantly, get ready to go tomorrow. We'll see you, WSTers, 4.35 o'clock in the uh, craft beer corner outside Section 310. Throw your Jets gear on. Get ready to get loud. Should be a great atmosphere tomorrow. And we'll see whether the Jets can head into the All-Star break and their player break with a big win at home against the Toronto Maple Leafs wearing... Those 48 jerseys, really looking forward to that, as well as Connor Hellebuck's kit tomorrow. Um, great stuff, as always. Shout out to Connor Ravchak, killing it with their clips and whatnot on social media. Good luck to your Niners, Connor. We'll get Connor in on Monday. Win or lose, both of us will answer the, answer the, uh, the call, and we'll talk about the Super Bowl matchup as well. Cannot wait for Sunday, but first things first, it's Jets leaves tomorrow night. Thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen every day and all of you who hung out with us today. And a special shout-out to you podcast listeners for making Winnipeg Sports Talk a part of your daily routine. See you tomorrow at the game, folks. Go Chiefs! We'll be back here Monday, 1 p.m., right here on WST Live on YouTube. We're out. Oh, my God! Shut it down! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.